Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Strike! Tell me something I don't know, Ump. Well, unlike that nasty curveball, there aren't any surprises when you finance your next car with Carvana. You get real terms personalized for you right in your strike zone. Really? Steeride! How am I supposed to focus when you're telling me about Carvana? Well, Slugger, you gotta keep your eye on the ball. Just like you can keep an eye on your customized down and monthly car payments. I can customize those? He's out and on his way to finance his next car with Carvana. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get pre-qualified today. We'll drive you happy at Carvana. I'm home caught, it's dead in trial. Why ain't I see you round back when I was down? I'm home caught, it's dead in trial. Why ain't I see you round back when I was down? They ain't believing me in the beginning. Who wanna hang around now they see me winning? I'm home caught, it's dead in trial. Why ain't I see you round back when I was down? What's up, world? It's your boy, Big Court, from the Holding Court Podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Uncle P's Pancake and Waffle Mix. It's available in all grocery stores nationwide. This is Black-owned. This is ours. Product outweighs talent every day. So remember, there's no limit to your success. Uncle P's Pancake Mix, available right now. What's up, world? It's your boy, Big Court. We here on the Holding Court Podcast. Hey. You know what I'm saying? And today, we got a very, very special guest. No bullshit. No cap. One of the most influential hey. Sacramento artists. Hey. One of the most well-spoken, insightful, intelligent brothers I've ever spoken with. Uh, That's no cap, bro. Uh, he was an inspiration to me uh, growing up, you know, being a rap rapper back in the day. And one of the most compelling stories, we're going to get into it, you know what I'm saying, the incredible, real, you know what I'm saying, mm. X-rated. Hey, yes, <laughs> salute, man. It's an honor to be here. Yeah, Quite yeah. a privilege. Man, yeah. I appreciate you coming, bro. I appreciate you having me, man. People know I'm I'm quite fond of you. I speak highly of you. Likewise. And, uh, <laughs> you know, a lot of people don't know that when I came home, you reached out to me. Yep. You communicated yourself, expressed yourself mm-hmm. where you stood, much like you just said. Mm-hmm. And I felt uh, it, was, it was quite humbling yeah. for you to do that. Mm-hmm. And I see what you've done for you with your life. And a lot of us didn't make those decisions and mm-hmm. elevate like that. And uh, your relationship with P is honorable, quite honorable. Mm-hmm. And so it just was really important for me that you did that. And I, it, it stood out. And mm-hmm. so, you know, your text messages, your phone calls, mm-hmm. your, that's automatic responses. Cause, Man, you know, appreciate you come that, with a specific quality. So I feel the same way about you, yeah. your intelligence, the way that you've dealt with economics and communicating generational wealth to people. Yeah. I've, I've respected that, and uh, yeah. I stand by that, period. I appreciate that, bro. Yeah. Hold on, man. Your intro to me can't be better than the <laughs> intro I gave you. <laughs> man, I appreciate that, brother. I appreciate that. But, man, like... You know, it's is when you came home, bro. I was so happy for you. It was so genuine. Um, not to take away from your experience, but I damn near felt like I did the time with you. You for know sure. what I'm saying? Yeah. Because you know, 
man, when you came in the early 90s, we was rocking so hard with you. It was that connection, you yeah. know, and even all the albums from inside and following everything you were going through. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It was such an inspiration. And, you know, once you came home, I had to, you know, give you that that word of encouragement and let you know, hey, I'm here, bro. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You need anything, you know. Yeah. But then, you know, as we got to talk, I was like, ah, damn, I told my, uh, my old lady, I said, man, this dude's smart, smart. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? He's smart, smart. And I know you and I, we would go back and forth about, I'd be like, man, the way you elocute, you so articulate. You yeah. know, it's like we yeah. challenge each other. You'd be yeah. like, oh, man, you know, the way that you, you know, uh, convey your message is yeah. together. So we puss each other to, yeah. you know, really get that message out there to the uh, to the masses. Yeah, they say saying? steel, sharp, steel, steel. sharp and steel. It's a real thing. Yeah. So many people determined to be the king. Mm. And, you know, I try to communicate the value of being a king. Yeah. You want to associate with kings. You want to, you know, every real kingdom had its allies, alliances. Mm -hmm. They married into other families, other kingdoms, strengthen the bloodline, you know, and mm -hmm. we, we don't necessarily always think like that. And, and you and I shared that and yeah. you share that in your life individually. I share that in mine. Mm -hmm. And so we bring that to the table when we yeah. come together. I highly value that. Likewise, brother. Man. Likewise. Um, man, I want to go to the start, bro. You know what I'm saying? Honor Ray Brown, before we even get to X-Rated. Hey. You know what I mean? Man, let's start with Honor Ray Brown. Honor Ray Brown. I mean? Where are you from originally? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a Sacramento baby from birth. I was born at Methodist Hospital. Mm -hmm. uh, my mother, her name is Jazz, and she's a beautiful woman. She was very young. She was 19 years old in Sacramento when she met my father, who was visiting from Alabama. Mm. And uh, they had an experience that resulted in uh, conception. Mm -hmm. And here I come. So I was born on July 30th in Sacramento at Methodist Hospital mm -hmm. into a family that was uh, the matriarch of my family, Maxine Love, a beautiful woman, uh, born in Texas. And she migrated to California, essentially following the Panther Party. So she went to Los Angeles first and what they were doing there. And then she went to the Bay Area. So some of us were born in L.A. Some of us were born, a generation before us was born in Texas. On my father's side, they were born in Alabama. Mm -hmm. uh, on my, my maternal side, they were born in L.A. and then born in the Bay. And then she followed. They did the mayoral campaign in Oakland. So she was in Palo Alto. My older sister was born there. And then they followed the Panthers to Sacramento for the gun rights movement mm -hmm. when they were doing all that. And um, I was born in Sacramento as a result of that. And things disintegrated with the party around that time. Mm -hmm. So they stayed there. Okay. So almost every generation after me on my maternal side was born in Sacramento. Oh, okay. Been there ever since. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So what were what were you like as a kid, bro? I mean, were you did you always have this intellect and this, you know, insight or is that something that you acquired over time? I assume that it was probably, you know what I'm saying, in you. It was already innate, but what it was you like fostered? It was fostered. I came, you know, so my grandmother was very good with her words and mm. her thoughts and her politics and mm. how she felt about things. And that my mother is her firstborn child. Mm -hmm. And so I have a very my mother has a uh, autobiographical photographic memory mm -hmm. for better and for worse. And she's uh, just a very astute. Mm. student mm -hmm. you know a voracious reader yeah and she pushed that on us so i the encyclopedias were always in the house dictionaries and she was big on music mm -hmm. and so music was always in the house and i mean she would she was 
on the edge of like digging into everything, finding everything. So I, she had records, you know, vinyl was still vinyl then. Mm -hmm. It's making a comeback, but back then she had all these records and I used to dig through them and read the credits. And then when I wasn't doing that, I'm in the encyclopedia, I'm in the dictionary. And so my mom made vocabulary a real thing for wow. us. And the way she, she was into calligraphy mm -hmm. and the way she spelled our names became a thing. So I, to this day, I sign, I write my name exactly the way my mother did because I just thought it was pretty. Wow. So by the dope. time I got to school, just trying to write like my mom, I was already ahead mm -hmm. in writing and reading and comprehension. Yeah. 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 And so I ended up jumping some grades. Damn, early. really? Yeah, I jumped two grades in elementary school and one yeah, grade. That don't shock me, though. Yeah. Yeah. That don't shock me. Yeah. That's, that's funny, bro, because our stories are kind of parallel like that. Same thing with me. You know, my mother had a very high IQ. She could speed read. You know, she was very intelligent. Um, my grandmother, I was raised by women. I was raised by strong women, me you know, well. and education was a focal point in the house. Yeah. And my grandmother used to make me read the dictionary and the encyclopedia and she would quiz me when I got home. So, you know, uh, proper grammar. It was it was no ebonics. I couldn't say ain't. I right. couldn't say, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So in in elementary school, I was already, you know, uh, I had a robust, you know, uh, vocabulary. Yeah. I was already, you know what I mean? Speaking like that. So I had the same experience. She and it's funny. We hated it then. You know what I'm saying? But it, it became useful later in life. It did. Because one thing I learned is, and you probably know this to be true, too, in business, it's helpful because regardless of being formally educated or not, if you have good manners and can speak well, it gets you indoors that money can't. It does. You know. It absolutely yeah. does. And then there's advantages from the perspective of like what people perceive to be the capacity and capability mm -hmm. to show up ahead of what they perceive where exactly. we should be. Exactly. You have some people who become yeah. allies because they would like that to be known. Mm -hmm. Like, wait a minute, I got somebody you need to meet. Yeah, exactly. For this reason. Oh, that's your perspective on, on African-Americans. Right. I got somebody I need you to meet. Right. And it changes people's perspectives. It does. Thing. And so, yeah, I've had a lot of opportunities come to me because of that. Me from too. People who wanted to crush stereotypes. Yep. And they felt like I got to, I, I know someone that yeah. needs to be an ally that you need to meet, you need yeah. to know that's yeah. going to advance what you're doing exactly. and it's going to change what you think about these people. Exactly. And so, hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah. Or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. I've had that happen. It's, a, it's advantageous. It is, ain't it? Yeah. <laughs> but see, and then what's, what's, what's advantageous about it too for us, you know, like I know we're bilingual. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's one thing P always say, bro, I can take you to the boardroom. I can take you to the projects. Yeah. So we can talk that other shit too. Yeah. You know, that that's what we Naturally. came from. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? So I always preach 
evolution to the youngins. You know what I'm saying? Don't be afraid to change. Like, right. think about that. A lot of times when we was in school, like, we celebrate, you know, ignorance. bullshit. Ignorance, right? We do. You know, so if you, it's not cool to be smart. It, it wasn't cool to was do not. your work. It wasn't cool to be studious. You know what I'm saying? Right. It, you know, but the the more ignorant you could be, the cooler and more accepted you are. Truly. You know what I'm saying? I don't know who fostered that psychology, right. but certainly right. it's a real thing. Yep. And uh, now I think we're starting to see a, a, yep. a shift, Yeah. you know, a different kind of tide of energy going into that where people are now starting to say, you know, being someone who is concerned mm-hmm. about economics and politics mm-hmm. and generational wealth and things yep. like that. I think Nipsey was helpful in that regard. Absolutely. You know, Jay-Z was very helpful Absolutely. with advancing the, the education direction. And yes. I think we just have to make sure that that the people who are in position to be heard are using their voices correctly. Correctly. And not many of them, you know. Nah, they don't. They don't. I always say, I mean, we in a day of influencers, you know what I'm saying? Right. But I always ask people, I mean, you have influence. I mean, what are you influencing people to do? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that that's the question. To too. Yeah, you know, you can have a bunch of followers, but what are you leading them to? <laughs> I remember when... Sebo and I were working on Till My Casket Drops. We got that album done and it dropped and it hit number three in the country. Mm-hmm. And Deadly Game was on that album. Mm-hmm. And it was like one of the first real songs I had ever written because I wrote most of my albums were written with a mask on. It was mm-hmm. it was me being mm-hmm. X-rated. Yeah, yeah. And then I start going through trial and things like that. And I started having real world issues and it started bleeding into my music. Mm-hmm. And so that that song and the three strikes law and mm-hmm. me being in that environment where people were coming in for stealing a slice of pizza and going to court and getting twenty five yeah. to life, right, right, with the with the so called victim in there yeah. saying, "I would have never called the cops if I knew you were going to give him a life sentence for stealing a slice of pizza." Right. He was hungry. I would have get. I'll give. Yeah, I'd have gave it to him. I'll give you twenty pizzas for y'all to just let him go right now. Right. Damn. And and I'm watching those men come yeah. back. It's like you a guy used a deodorant in a in a seven eleven and put it back on the shelf. They called the cops. He got twenty five to life because he had been yeah. in some trouble before. And it's like, well, you know, you, he did that nonviolent crime. Mm-hmm. He didn't hurt nobody. It's just mm-hmm. a deodorant, man. You know, maybe we could talk to him about hygiene. At least he's trying to be clean. Like, how can we get you somewhere? Can you shower? Yeah. Do you? We we just not concerned about what human needs are, the basic hierarchy of human needs. Mm-hmm. And I studied all that, Abraham Maslow, understanding that they didn't care about that. They only cared about penalizing people and then right. monetizing penalization. Right. And that's what it became about. So I'm watching that happen, and I start writing mm-hmm. a deadly game. And that got out there, and well, Wendy Day starts looking for mm-hmm. who's the author of these lyrics. I want right. to know who wrote that. Right. And so that letter to me, uh, Monster Cody started Sanyika Shakur, rather call it Brother Sanyika Shakur. Yeah. He reached out to me, and uh, that was when I heard from Tuki. And uh, the, the, the statement, it was more of a... a I took it as a directive, but it was someone with as much, with a voice as loud as yours has a duty to say something worthy of being heard. Right. And I'll never forget that. To come from him, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That was a big deal. He's on death row. Exactly. You know, we don't know, is he going to make it? Are they going to put him down? Right. We don't know. Right. And what he had been trying to preach to people exactly. about changing their lives and doing something different. And so, you know. I started really trying to make sure that what I used my voice for was was worthy of being heard. And I have my moments, you know, where I get upset about something of course. environmentally and go off and be angry. But I always you can you can hear that message throughout yeah. all of my art really from then on. Yeah. 
Yeah. Nah, that's dope. And that's that's important, bro. That's yeah. important. I mean, you know, we're more dangerous with our influence of of positivity than we are. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Just think about it. I mean, you know, we kill somebody. It's just that. Okay. I mean, yeah, there's ripple effects. You know, one go to jail, one dead. You've killed off a bloodline. But when you start inspiring minds, oh, you know, man. millions of minds to start, you know what I mean? Yeah. Moving in a direction, then that's a real threat. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's an even bigger threat it than is. picking up a gun. You know what I'm saying? Oh, in this country, that's so true. Yeah. I told my homies that we was, you know, there's this raging thing right now in my neighborhood. X-rated this, X-rated that. Mm -hmm. and, you know, I had the gas pedal. I've been home 30 months and, mm -hmm. and people are starting to measure them, measure that experience against other people's experience. Mm -hmm. You know, you go to a barbershop where I'm from right now and it's who doing it from the city. Mm -hmm. It's like, three or four names going to come up and I'm in the top two of them conversation, that conversation. Yeah. And so some people resent that, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I've been trying to push to them. Like you, you just have to, no matter what, you have to make sure that you're doing what you're supposed to be yep. doing and that you're pushing yep. for other people to advance mm -hmm. what they're supposed to be doing. And so far that message has resonated. Yeah. It's resonated. And so I see people responding with an understanding that it's more important to be empowering people and uplifting people and pushing that that energy into the universe than this tough energy and this mm. we already proven we could be tough. tough. It's so easy. Yeah. Angry, get anger, yeah. lashing out, that's the easiest thing to do. That don't yeah. require intelligence. That don't require effort. Yeah. I say it's way the man who can hold his tongue. You're right. The man who can say something decent when he when that's the last thing he want to do is exercising much more discipline than the Absolutely. man. Absolutely lash out so i've been trying to advance that agenda and so far it's really been working good good so i i, I guess speaking to some sort of conflict resolution right yeah yeah, yeah. non-violent yeah. communication yeah conflict resolution all that We're i always say that. that communication root nation all you got to do is it's a conversation you yeah. know what i'm saying because sometimes you be thinking you know it's like i was telling him you know it was a comedian that i wanted to get on the show mm -hmm. and uh he was calling me during when I was doing I Got the Hook Up too. We were so busy. We were hella busy. I wasn't even checking social media and I was moving at the same time. And so I guess maybe he felt some kind of way. He felt slighted. You know what I mean? But we haven't even had a conversation for me to tell him, bro, I didn't even see your messages right. two months later. You know what I'm saying? So you're hold you're you're carrying this burden of feeling some type of way and animosity toward me when all you got to do is talk to me, which I've tried to reach out. But, you know, it's like if somebody step on somebody's toe, you know, you might be thinking, oh, man, this, this nigga disrespected me. Yeah. Really, he probably didn't even know he stepped on your toe. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You didn't give him a chance to say excuse me. So I remember OG of mine told me, he said, you always try to offer a person a way out. Oh, yeah. You try to offer him a way out first. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You you go to slow to violence. If you have it, you know, first exhaust words. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Then if you have to escalate past then. Yeah. You know, but um but I want to drag it back a little bit. So Honore, did you play sports? I did. I played football. Mm -hmm. I was obsessed with football, I played tailback, I was mm -hmm. very good at it. Um my mother so I started getting into trouble, you know, following, trying to be like my older cousins and mm -hmm. run the streets. They were all garden block crips. And so uh, <clears throat> they still are. And so I was fixated on them. They were heroes to me. Yeah. You know, and in their way, they still are. They're my heroes, you know, the AJ, Jimmy Broadnax and you know, George Campbell, these people, 
molded me into, you know, one of my younger cousins is the king of my neighborhood right now. You know, my my bloodline runs where I'm from. Mm-hmm. And so I I very much aspire to be in that vein and, and, and was going real hard to make sure that I was true. And so my mother decided that before some I did something stupid or something bad happened to me or whatever, uh, she sent me to Texas. Okay. And so I what went out Texas? to Texas. I went to Waco. Okay. Specifically East Waco. That's where the uh, Branch Davidian shit was, right? It is where the Branch Davidian okay. shit right. was. Yeah, right. that's where it was. And High Five came out of there. High Five. From the specific yeah. projects yeah. where I was at. I was at, in Trimwood. Okay. Uh, with my family next door to Sherman Manors and mm-hmm. the village, all that in East Waco. And, uh, you know, it's real, real out there. Yeah. It is yeah. what it is. Like, they really with it. <laughs> yeah. It's funny that people don't realize that, nah, but it was man. it was really crunchy. And I learned a lot from that energy. But football's huge. Yeah. Sports are huge. That's how people perceive yeah. You know, how are we going to get the hell out of here? So you aspired to go farther in NFL? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. My older cousin, Glenn Johnson, was uh, playing for Waco Christian mm-hmm. and was being, you know, he was already receiving letters. Mm-hmm. You know, he had a letter from the University of Texas. Mm-hmm. He eventually signed to go to the University of Texas before he was violently removed from Earth. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that I learned something from that, too. And uh, once I got over the anger years later. But I was going to the public school and I would practice and finish my practice and walk to his school and then watch their practice. And then I started on the side doing the sprints, doing the practice, and their coach eventually put me. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, But the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You know, with him, and was like, just, just practice. You good, you mm-hmm. know. Get some Gatorade and get the salt tablets. You know, you mm-hmm. out here. I see him working out. Somebody take care of this kid. That led to here's a scholarship, a yeah. reduced, reduced tuition. Wow. You know, and you, you can be at this school. Yeah. And so, you know, the Waco Christian Warriors were a preeminent team out there. Eventually, winning the state championship in the state of Texas. So when I say that. You know, this is the school. That's That's, yeah, Yeah, a state championship in the state of Texas. I don't. I don't know if there's another state that values like high school football as much. Yeah, Florida, Florida, and Alabama. You know, the reason why the SEC teams are so good is primarily because of that. The high schools, high school football out there is about as good as anywhere in the world. Period. So you know, Miami, uh, where Florida, Alabama, Atlanta. Mississippi, mm-hmm. Texas, Louisiana, high school football is hardcore. Mm-hmm. And that, that's why those schools are hardcore. So you were playing in those games at, at that high level like that? I was playing in those games. Wow. I, I worked my way up and, mm-hmm. you know, it was appreciated. The tailback, the starting tailback was ahead of me. It was great. So I'm I'm a, a freshman playing varsity, varsity football. Oh, yeah. So the man that's ahead of me was really, really, really good. I was yeah. good, too. So I got to do some punt returns and mm-hmm. let him rest. I get to get out there and do my thing. But um, <clears throat> that led to eventually discovering that my tuition wasn't being paid. Mm-hmm. So I, I had to be let go, right, mm-hmm. from this team that's doing so well. And then, you know, uh, I had some resentment okay, because of that, because I felt like that was a great opportunity. And so when I, I got back to Sacramento, after that, there was some bouncing around. And mm-hmm. I only really cared about school at that point because I could play ball. That mm-hmm. was the only reason I showed an interest in school. Cause yeah. 
as I'm skipping grades, I'm bored, I'm not yeah, stimulated. Yeah, it's not challenging you. It's not challenging yeah. me, so I just didn't really care to engage. I only cared to keep grades good enough to play football. Play football, yeah. Once football was gone, I hit South Sacramento with a, a anger and a vengeance and just like just ruined so, it. So, so I and yeah, some me, of it misplaced too. Quick, so the anger was that from just because of the, the football shit was, is that where the anger was? I think that from? was more of a, a ignition. It was, mm-hmm. you know, that was a fuse. Okay. And it, it got lit. Okay. But I think the anger came from societal issues, you know, and, you know, not having a relationship with my father and not understanding what that was about, yeah. not understanding that relationship between the two of them that, that led to my conception and him being from Alabama and not having, you know, I just felt like, uh, I don't know that I had the words for that either back right. then. I'm right. sure I did not. Right. But now having to study underlying causes, causative factors, yep. and to get a, yep. get a feel for yep. what contributed to my psychological development or lack of lack of psychological development, that's one of the things. It was the, the absence of, of male leadership mm-hmm. in my life and even teaching me to respect female leadership. Mm-hmm. You know, you get big enough and you get strong enough yeah yeah what you gonna do you start bucking on your mama yeah because she used to my mama used to tell me don't start smelling your piss Mm. you know what i mean Mm. and and same thing and i was an only child you know what i'm saying i started getting some height on me Mm -hmm. and i remember one time my mother was on my ass about some dishes and i kind of cut my eyes at her and i just remember all of a sudden i couldn't breathe (laughs) (laughs) yeah and then I, i fell back and she had stole on me. She hooked around, stole on me, hit me right in the sternum. Mm. And, uh, and, but I needed that, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Cause I think I was scraping six feet, yeah. you know, about 14 yeah. and she stood over me and she looked down on me and said, motherfucker, don't you ever cut your eyes at me. I'll beat your motherfucking ass <laughs> straight up. She told me that and then told me now get up and act like you want to do something. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that was it. Yeah. You know, she, she, she got me, you know what I'm saying? At least in terms of respecting her, yeah. you know, she put that healthy fear in me, you know yeah. what I mean? But you're right. Like same thing, man. Like my dad was in walking distance and I didn't have that, that male figure there to, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. To, to grab me and, or, or even, you know, paint out the possibilities, you know, cause like you dealt with that with football, but if you had somebody that could have said, oh, okay, that didn't work out. What about here? You know what I'm saying? This might be another option here. Right. You know what I'm saying? You just or let's just pay this tuition, right? Or just, let's just pay this tuition. <laughs> I'm just gonna pay this tuition. <laughs> yeah, I'll take hey, that. But like, it, with bouncing off of that, so I went to jail when I was 15. Mm-hmm. Right? It's just kind of going with that. And uh, my father had got me a lawyer. You know, I, they were gonna certify me. Right. right? I was gonna be the first juvenile in Missouri to be certified. They was gonna give me juvenile life. And then send me to the pen. Wow. So uh, he came through with the lawyer. Uh, I'm trying to think of the lawyer's name because he's still he's a cokehead, but he was good. You know, and um, I remember thinking after I got off that case and as I got a little older, I remember thinking, damn, my daddy came through. He right. got me a lawyer. You know, I'm thinking he did a solid. But then when I got a little older, I was like, damn, why I'm feeling like he did me a favor. Like maybe if he was there. I wouldn't have needed a lawyer. Right. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. kind of going to the same thing that you seen. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm not throwing my old man under the bus. It's of just what it not. was. He did the best he could. You know what I'm saying? And I love my father. He's still alive. But, yeah. you know, it was one of them things where looking back on it, you have that insight. You know yeah. what I mean? 
We celebrate people for doing things they're supposed to do. Right. Because it's so rare that people do what they're supposed to do from the culture. Yeah. And it's an unfortunate thing. Getting in the underlying causes and causative factors, I started having this realization that it was necessary for me to understand my parents' causative factors, Mm -hmm. underlying causes. So why were they even in the state of their of mind that they were in when it right. came to a child. Because right. there came a point in my life where I, I went to Alabama and I was watching my father with this dog. Mm-hmm. And I remember experiencing a certain degree of jealousy of my, with my father's dog Damn. because my father's was more affectionate with his dog than he was with me. Damn. And so, and I was young enough to be aware yeah. that he liked his dog more than he, than he yeah. liked me or yeah. I perceived it that way. Yeah. But the truth was that he did, he didn't know how what to do with a kid. Yeah, he didn't had no idea right. what to do with a kid. You right. know what to do with a dog. Yeah. You pet it. Yeah, you rub the dog. What do yeah. you do with this this boy though? Yeah. What do you do with him? Damn. And so it was. But I watched that, yeah. and I remember feeling that way that he was more affectionate with his dog than he was with me. Yeah, and I love that dog too. Too, you know, I was affectionate. Yeah. I was probably more <laughs> affectionate to the dog than I yeah. was to my father. Yeah, you know what I mean. But still, and so I I, I came to this conclusion that. That had been taught to him as well. Exactly. That's and what he I had experienced that. Exactly. And the person before him. Exactly. And if I go far enough in you know my heritage, I'm gonna run into somebody who was on a plantation. Yep. And then they were free. Yeah. And then they had a child. And yeah. then that child had a child. And yep. so none of them knew how to, what to do with a child, really. So you know what I mean. My story is linear. Same thing, bro. Same thing with my dad. Because when we when we kids, we look at our parents as mommy and daddy. We don't we're, we don't have the 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 mental fortitude or understanding to look at them as people as who they are because right. they're people too with their right. own shortcomings and their story right. too. And like you said, your mother had you at nineteen. She's still a kid. She's a god. You know what I'm saying? Too. She's still a kid though. A god. You know. So still, that's jazz, <laughs> right? You know what I mean? <laughs> right. To this day, right? Right. But yeah. when you look at it, like with my dad, same thing, right? Yeah. And we just had this conversation maybe six months ago. You know. Um, I've never been the type to ask him why this, why that. I mean, we know what it is. You know what I'm yeah. saying? He did the best he could. Once I got grown, I just looked at it like that. But he told me, my grandfather, you know, was a raging alcoholic. He was mean. He was old. You know, he, he was born at 18-something. You know what I mean? And he was particularly mean to my father. You know what I'm saying? And so my father kind of told me. He said, you know what? I didn't really come around, y'all, because... I felt that thing that my dad had mm. where I just, he, and he grabbed me. He said, well, I want to snatch you. Come here, snatch motherfucker. You, you know what I'm saying? Just for no reason. Yeah. He said, so I, I stayed away because wow. I didn't know how to modulate that. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So I respected that. I, but see, I'm 44 and I'm just, he's just telling me that, yeah. you know, now, Luckily, when I was a kid, I didn't have any daddy issues. I can be honest. I think because my mother did such a a great job, I didn't really feel the void because you can't miss nothing you never had. So I never even really felt it, you know, but that was me. That was just my personality. But the way that the, the, the ripple effect of that, when I had my son, I had never been shown love by a man. You know what I'm saying? I'd never been hugged by a man. I never had a man tell me, I love you. When my, when I had my son, dog i didn't i was dapping this little nigga like i'm like <laughs> giving him yeah back. like how, I, how you doing little i man? was confused i was like do I, huh? I that feel weird you know yeah. what i'm saying yeah. so i had to you know dig within myself peel the layers back and do my own work and it dawned on me one day i was like that's why i feel like that because i've never been shown that right and my father-in-law he was the first man that would hug me and embrace me he was nigerian 
And he even said, because I shared with him years later, and he, he said it. He said, man, he said, yeah, because when I first met you, I would hug you and you would kind of get weird. You know what I'm saying? And I just, you know, so it was something that I almost perpetuated to my son, mm. you know, but I had to wherewithal to kind of do the work. You know what I'm saying? Now, shit, my son, 21, you know, I hug, going down. I That's hug going down. Dude, yeah. kiss him on the cheek and yeah. all kind of shit. You know what I'm saying? But, yeah. You know, so I understand it's these generational curses that, yeah. that we have to break. Absolutely. We just did 20, we did interviews with about 20 artists mm-hmm. over the course of, I don't know, it's, it took like. Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Like 12 hours. And, um. Uh, and I did that with those young men when they came in and spoke with their, what are your intentions? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what, how do you perceive yourself? What are your expectations? What do you perceive that we can do for you? Mm-hmm. Things like that. And uh, and I gave them hugs, you know? And yeah. They were like, man, I really appreciate you. Thank you for this opportunity. I give them a hug, man. I love you too, man. Yeah. You're going to yeah. be all right. And I've been doing that with my guys. And Yeah. You know, yeah. for the most part, for the great percentage of them, being one of the only men, period, that have, that's ever done that. It's funny you say that, bro, because you just hugged me when you seen me. Mm-hmm. Probably 10 years ago, that would have been weird. Yeah. I would have been stiff. Yeah. But at this point, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I was able to embrace you back. So. And that hug, that hug been coming for a while. <laughs> yeah, for you know, sure. You know what I'm saying? That. We needed that, bro. Yeah, I remember I spoke to you on, it was like September 18th of 2018 yeah i was i don't think i've been out three four days and you was on my phone and you had actually i had a message from you on the day i came home real talk so it took about four days for us to communicate yep and uh that that hug that hug been absolutely and when we talked we talked for a couple hours we did yeah it was like we went back 30 years yeah we just (laughs) yeah yeah it's a kinship yeah yeah so that 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 hug was warmed up you know we built up to that moment (laughs) Real talk, real talk. It would have been weirder for me to not give you that embrace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me to too. You. I was, yeah. gonna, hey, I want some gangster shit. I was gonna hug you anyway. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's what's up. I was gonna hug you. You know what I'm saying? I got, I got a little size, so yeah, I was gonna yeah, bear yeah, hug you, gonna you anyway. Hug. You know what I'm yeah, gonna take this hug. Yeah, take this hug, my nigga. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? You've been through too much, dog. I, I'm gonna give you some love. Man, you know I'll me? take it. I want all the love yeah. I could get. It's been a lot of hate, and we survived that hate. It's been yeah. a lot of love, and the love is greater than the yeah. hate. I yeah. want it. I've, I've done the darkness. That's what I'm saying, bro. We gotta normalize that shit though that's yeah. what i'm saying we deal with each other so heavy-handedly bro like we got to normalize yeah. compassion respect yeah saying hey especially if you my like because that was weird for me for a long time i had a cousin that got killed you know big super crip you know what i'm saying uh they used to call him big 50 call him dumb down you mm. know rest in peace to reggie wax rest in peace um he used to always say that i love you cuz yeah, he he used to do it to fuck with me too but yeah. he meant it you know what yeah. i'm saying he would be like man just say you love me you love me, say you love me, and I'd yeah. be like, I mean, you cool, <laughs> you know. Yeah, what I'm I fuck with you. <laughs> yeah, I fuck with you. You know what I'm saying? You know, yeah. If something happened to you, bro, I, I cry. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you know, we gotta normalize that, bro. You know, what I'm saying? Do. showing each other love and being compassionate. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, ain't nothing wrong with that. We all know we what we are. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Hyper masculinity. Yeah. This country's per- perpetuated what they believe black masculinity yep. is. Yep. And and you know, so a lot of this has been taught to us through entertainment and mm-hmm. fiction and yep. all these different Imagery. realms because yeah. we don't have it in our own homes. 
Mm-hmm. And a lot of that imagery didn't originate from our own selves. Yep. And so it's even more now it's an inaccurate depiction that's coming from a source outside of ourselves. And then mm-hmm. and we're accepting it because we have no definition. Exactly. And so we're allowing this definition to come from outside of ourselves to be t- dictated to us under completely fictional circumstances. Exactly. And it's easy to do when it's you dangerous. rob somebody of their history. Indeed. Because you can write it for them. You can. You know what I'm saying? It wrote it. Right. It's been done. Right. It occurred. Right. Right. And yeah, so, that really happened. <laughs> That, that did really happen. happen. And so now we have to do something else mm-hmm. and give different demonstrations of what that yeah. what it means to be a man, a black person in America, mm-hmm. how we how we interact with other cultures mm-hmm. and the respect that we can show other cultures. Absolutely. I've been dealing with that. Like, hey man, you don't you don't have to devaluate someone else's culture to, in order mm-hmm. to embrace Absolutely. your own. Absolutely. That's not what that means, no. you know. Because you're so, perpetuating the same shit you don't want done to you. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so we've been able to, to be pretty good about that message. That's dope. That's dope. Yeah. So, Honore, you're playing football. You go back to SAC. You're pissed off about that. Angry. So now you hit the soil. You're back on 24th Street. Yeah. And so now, is that where the Crippin start? So the Crippin started before the football. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's a difference between a member mm-hmm. and a banger. Real They're talk. not the same. Real talk. And so I have been a gang member since my 13th birthday. Mm-hmm. My Those same older cousins who were heroes to me used to run me off when I tried to come out there. Mm-hmm. They run me off. Get up out of here. What you doing over here? They mm-hmm. were mean about it, too. Mm-hmm. Just trying to keep me away. Yeah. My 13th birthday was when they stopped doing that. Okay. I'd show up, and they just they'd notice me and leave me there. Mm-hmm. Nobody say nothing. Then I got bold enough to grab a 40. Yeah. <laughs> I got bold enough to grab a joint. Yeah, and I got yeah. bold enough to squeeze a girl's butt or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Going to the house party and realize nobody cares. I'm here now. Yeah. I can get ran off. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And so that part, the membership part, and represent myself as mm-hmm. being from 24th Street that has started uh, years before. Mm-hmm. And so the banging part, I came home and it was like, we're going to gang bang now. Yeah. And so the... The spring and summer of 1990 mm-hmm. is when it was like, it's on, it's active. on, it's going down active yeah. yeah, and got put on and mm-hmm. put on something that I was born on. Mm-hmm. It's from, it's where I'm from. And I still got put on 24th Street by Jerome McCoy, Slim Dog. Mm-hmm. You know, these people are at the fight, the big homies. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's difficult enough for itself, but, mm-hmm. you know, I did that and took on a name and got out there and tried to make that name a name. Were you always X-rated? I was not. I was groomed by somebody we call Big Slim Dog from mm-hmm. 24th Street. And so everybody just, but I was always with him. I was a little mascot sidekick, just always with him. So they they started calling me Lil Slim. Yeah. Every time I would go somewhere by myself, it'd be like, oh, there go Lil Slim Dog. Mm-hmm. And I just let that breathe. I let that breathe. Yeah. I didn't get put on. Technically, as a little slim. Technically, I guess I, w- I would have to say that is what that was, walking away from it. Yeah. You know what I mean? But everybody just started calling me that. The homies clowningly would call me black-ass chocolate. That would be black. <laughs> like, where black-ass chocolate? Yeah, you know what I yeah, mean? Choc. Yeah. Where are you at? Yeah. And so that was just a neighborhood clown name that yeah. ended up I had. But I wrote a rap. I, I had... As an active gang member, I had already started these associations that was allowing me to make my music and put out tapes in the South Side. What made you want to start rapping? What made you pick up a pen and say, you know what? I want to try this rhyming shit. You know, culturally for us that 
rhyming is not something we start. You know what I mean? We it's what we do. Yeah, it's gonna be a little dance, and it's gonna be it's our culture. Yeah. So it was always I was a monster on a freestyle. Okay. So I used to just make up rhymes. We still do it. We mm-hmm. still have ciphers in my building to this okay. day. I okay. walk up and it'll just be a cipher going down. Yeah. I jump in it still. Yeah. And so. Back then, I was already spitting rhymes, even playing ball. I used to make up songs for the football team on yeah. the bus trips and stuff like that. So I ended up in the studio. Uh, a friend of mine, really, we had a cipher at, at a continuation school, so I, cause I, I, I couldn't even go to a high school no more at that point. My records was trash. Right, right. We moved around so much, gross instability, that by the time I got back to Sacramento, mm-hmm. I wouldn't, I couldn't be accepted by Burbank or Kennedy or Florin High or Valley High. None mm-hmm. of the schools in the South area would take me. So I ended up at a continuation school, which is one step away from being a dropout. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the guys were spitting. I jumped in, and there was this kid named Percy Hunter from the Flat Dog Crib neighborhood. And he was like, yo, uh, at lunchtime, man, I want to show you something. I want to show you something. You thought you can you could do this. I was like, all right. And so we pulled off. He had a little van. We went to his house. It was about five of us. And he had, his parents had bought him every piece of equipment at that level that you could possibly have, okay. all of it. Yeah. The four-track Four recorder. Four-track recorder. Yeah, yeah I remember that. He drum machine. Yeah. He had the uh, the, the two turntables, yeah. the mixers. He had the speakers. He oh, had he all the records. He was a spoiled little kid, huh? They, he was spoiled, but yeah. not in a, only in that way. They figured out this will keep him in the house. Okay, yeah, yeah. Because they had, they owned their house. They bought their house. Yeah. His father was working. His mother was working. Yeah. So he didn't have to be out in the streets. Yeah. They thought this is how we keep them yeah, safe. Yeah, and they were smart in doing that. Too. They were smart. We in had doing to that. steal all that shit. I, yeah. We had that, but we jacked a bunch of niggas. I had shit. to sell dope to get mine. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I got with Percy, and uh, me and P end up doing music. Mm-hmm. And he produced my first little tapes, and so I was—I really only started writing down the rhymes because it, I realized they sounded better when they were thought out. So mm-hmm. I was freestyling stuff, and I didn't like where I would hear myself mess up because I'm mm-hmm. thinking about a word. So timing was an issue. I was like, man. So I started writing my freestyles down and cleaning them up mm-hmm. and making them doper and recording them again, and they were flawless. Mm-hmm. And I just got into that, mm-hmm. and it went from writing down my freestyles to just writing a new song. Mm-hmm. And we started. That's how my first ten songs got released into the. Okay. You know, to the street. So who put that, you just put that out just on some independence? Man, I gave it to one of the homies just like, man, you know, let me know what you... If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. At participating McDonald's. Thing. Mm-hmm. I gave it to a cat named uh, Old Man from PJ Watts. Mm-hmm. And so he was in the South Side hustling. And uh, he was in this specific little uh, complex that we had. It kind of like the Carter of the South Side. Mm-hmm. One way in, one way out. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You can see everything. Police mm-hmm. coming from a mile. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It wasn't no surprise or nothing over there. Yeah. So it was the best deep spot you could think of. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so, old man, you know, he had all the trinkets yeah. and all that. And he was sitting in his Jeep and he had a system in his Jeep. Everybody knew the old man had the system. So, yeah. I, I wanted to hear it. Mm-hmm. And he was listening to it and he was like, what the hell is this? He's like, that's you? Yeah. I was like, yeah, it's me, man. I'm doing my thing. Yeah. And he, he like turned it down and was like, man, you good. Mm-hmm. You're as good as anybody trying to do this right now. You could really do this. Mm-hmm. The man gave me a bunch of more water money. Mm-hmm. He gave me another additional investment opportunity, right? <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah, right. and he yeah. told me, he told me, 
take this serious, really do it. And I left that tape with him. And that tape ends up spreading around L.A. and ends up at swap meets and people making copies of it. Damn. And then the same thing happened in the Bay Area. Mm. So I had some boys, some of my partners. I was good with Stingy from RB, RBL Posse. Were you X-rated? So I had a line where I said, your girl calls me X-rated when I'm digging her out. Okay. Carnal movie positions thinking my digging her mouth. <laughs> I just happened to say it. Yeah. And that, now there's no picture on this tape. Okay. So everybody who heard it started saying, it's X-rated, it's X-rated. Ah, okay. That's kind of how that okay. started. And so, because uh, I, I really didn't say a name. I okay. kind of just was like, right? Yeah, I yeah. call my black ass talk. I was a little slim. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would just say whatever yeah. I was saying. You know what I mean? But I never, I hadn't defined myself yet. Okay, okay. This is real raw. Because you was probably about, what, 14 maybe? I was 15, 15 when I was happening. Okay. Right. Yeah, I was a baby. Yeah, yeah. Just doing what I was doing. And then uh, the X-rated thing kind of took on a, li- okay. a life of itself where people, I remember that happened to Scarface. You know, yeah. was, who remembers that Scarface rap name was B-Act? Yeah, yeah, action, be action. action. He was a uh, DJ action. Yeah, Brad. Yeah, yeah Brad. <laughs> he was just Brad. Yeah, yeah, and then he made call me Mr. Scar- Scarface. You know, he said, "Fuck it, I'm face. I'm Scarface." And now. The, the yeah. people decided it. Yeah, it really yeah. was just a song. Yeah, yeah. It, there was no his name I remember on the song. Yeah, yeah, I remember that too. And yeah. so it's like we named Scarface Scarface yeah. off of a song that Scarface made. Yeah. Really, as Brad. Really? And so I did the same thing. And Brother Lynch. So Brother Lynch <laughs> is the one who said. The spelling on your name was like so R A T E D. He was like, so it's gonna be X rated. He was like, it's X rated. That was dope. That was dope. And yeah. so he was like, well, let's do R A I D E D. He was yeah. like, you ain't no player. You a gangster. Yeah. This ain't. This ain't. Well, hold up. So you skipped though. So you got your tape going. How, so how did you? Going. How did you come up? How did you meet Lynch? So Lynch is seven years older than me. Mm-hmm. So he's from a generation above me. So everybody knew about Kevin Mann. You know, mm-hmm. Kevin was. He used to battle rap at the high schools. He went from school to school to school, just mm-hmm. trying to eat anybody alive. He could mm-hmm. flip. Mm-hmm. You know, he was just probably the most talented dude in the South Side period. Okay. Flipping, drawing, mm-hmm. every aspect of hip hop. Brother Lynch was involved in it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, we we were like, you know, what's up with Lynch? Like mm-hmm. Lynch is out here doing his thing. He used they used to call him uh, Ice Cold back in the day. Right, right. They right. called him Ice Cold. So yeah. it was like Ice Cold because that was his dance name. Yeah. And uh, so. Strobe Light was his partner. Mm-hmm. That was his his partner in crime. And Strobe Light was dating my my cousin. Nicole. Strobe Light. That's kind of a funny name. It is a funny Strobe name. Light. He was, he was the pop. And he yeah, was like was a lockers. Strobe Light. It was lockers. Yeah, right they there. had yeah. all that. It was like Turbo and Ozone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was their thing. Ice cold and uh, Man, imagine and Lynch. Strobe Light. Imagine Lynch pop locking like with a Bro, Jerry curl. He did. I feel like he did it on some video. Some documentary where he's talking about yeah. flipping or whatever really he talked yeah. about being a b-boy like, yeah, yeah that was dope. really yeah. you know i mean he's yeah. he was from that era yeah yeah, yeah. and that so makes sense uh so strobe like comes to my my grandmother passed on december 17th and years before but my family had it celebrated our death day every year after that mm-hmm. and so we were at one of those celebrations and they were always turned up. It wasn't a morbid thing. It mm-hmm. was like, you know, just an opportunity to get yeah. together, eat some food, and reminisce yeah. about grandma. So mm-hmm. I got Percy DJing the the, the party. Mm-hmm. And my cousin Nicole comes and brings Strobe with her. And so they walking around the room. I got all of my lyrics taped to the wall like you would do you know, comic books or something. Wow. All my rhymes are on the walls, and I used to walk around reading them, memorizing them. But every time I finished one, I would sit down and write it out. 
and perfectly because I like to see it. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a thing for me to see it. Mm-hmm. And then I put it in a sheet protector and pin it on the wall. Mm-hmm. And so he's reading the songs and he's like, man, who wrote this stuff? You know, who, who's, whose stuff is this? I was like, it's mine. You know, I wrote it. He was like, man, I, I got, I want to meet somebody tomorrow. What y'all doing tomorrow? It was like, we doing what you doing. So we we go through that night. We wake up the next day and he shows up with Brother Lynchon. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you got to, you two, you got to get in there. So they, we went into Percy's house, mm-hmm. me, Lynch, uh, Strobe, and a couple other people and, and Percy. And we got in there and we we literally stayed there till like four or five in the morning, mm-hmm. freestyling songs, writing lyrics, mm-hmm. you know, battling back and forth. And just was like, we're dope together. Mm-hmm. We're the dopest thing ever. Like yeah. we thought we were the dopest thing ever. We believed it when, and then from that night. And so that was kind of how me and Lynch started. And then Lynch was like, they start calling me. He like, man, you what you what you doing? You working on your stuff? Mm-hmm. He was a way more uh, advanced, advanced in, yeah. in terms of writing, song yeah. structure, yeah. Um, and things like that. Mm-hmm. And the difference between me and Lynch at that point probably was, you know, we we have different personalities in mm-hmm. terms of our. I'm I'm a lot more. I'm a I'm an extrovert. Yep. I'm a I call it an involuntary extrovert. Mm-hmm. As a result of what I have to do, I'm right. going. Right. But when I'm done with that, I'm chilling. Same with me. I'm the yeah, same way. But yeah. when it's time to go, it's on. Lynch, yeah. is, Lynch is chilling all the time. Yeah. There's no, there is no get up and go involved mm-hmm. in nothing. Lynch mm-hmm. is doing whatever you want to do at the speed that he's going to do with that, <laughs> and that's going to be respected, period. That's yeah. how it is. Yeah. And so that's <clears> the only reason I really came out before Lynch on a national mm-hmm. level was just that once once he opened that window for me, mm-hmm. I, was, I crawled through it, and I plundered the whole house and opened the doors for everybody. Like, come up in here, too. Yeah. Like, let's go. So hold on real quick. So uh, Psychoactive came out before uh, 24D? Psychoactive came out before anything from Garden Block at all. It okay. was the first Garden Block okay. project okay. at all. Okay. And so all the DNA traces back to Psychoactive. Okay. Um, we we start working on a project called uh, Niggas in Black and the little right. EP that we did. And then that got out there. Mm-hmm. And then we did Endangered together, me, Lynch, and Strobe Light. And uh, that ended up being what it was, a mm-hmm. classic. And that led to Black Market Records looking for me. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to find me. And uh, I remember my mom had my little <clears throat> black Niggas in Black EP cover because Lynch yeah. drew a cover for me. Okay. And this is how the X-rated name got spelled the way it was because ah. he's drawing this cover and he's like, man, we got to spell it like this. Yeah. It's R-A-I-D-E-D. And he had already drew my logo and everything. Yeah. Lynch was just really... Damn, that's dope. You know, he loved yeah. it. And that's yeah. what he did. And so I was like, all right, so we made copies of that and folded that little drawing that Lynch did up and put it went and had the tapes manufactured yeah. and sent it on consignment deals, mm-hmm. swap meets, all over the place. Out the trunk like too short. I was that was all I knew. Like too mm-hmm. the big homie too short did it this way. Yeah. So we're gonna do Real it this talk. way. I've, and that's why I've always honored short, you know yeah. what I mean? Everything he contributed, because even that aspect of us being yeah. able to make our first dollars yeah. was following a blueprint that Too Short made publicly known. He, he didn't pioneered that. that. Yeah. He yeah, pioneered he pioneered that. it up there mm-hmm. and he and he identified that mm-hmm. he was doing it. Mm-hmm. He didn't hide the the economic value of doing it. Right, right. Some people have a hustle and they ain't gonna tell you what their hustle is. Mm-hmm. Too short taught us what the hustle was honestly to the culture and so we followed that blueprint and uh so nobody knows what i look like nobody knows it's me it's just now there's this x-rated out and he got tapes out Mm -hmm. and so uh cedric had been looking for me 
sitting next to my mom at church, mm-hmm. and she has that on her key ring in church too. I don't know what she was doing, wow. but she got that on, and he's like, "You know him." She said, that's my son. And he gave her his business card. And so at the time, there was no such thing as black market records on the market yet. Mm -hmm. He was still building it. Yeah. He had a little something that he had done before with like one of our founding fathers from Southside, gangster rap named Homicide, rest Mm -hmm. in peace. And so he had been doing work with Homicide. And uh, here I come. I I show up. I I called the number. Mm -hmm. I came home. I was doing some time. I came home. And uh, caught the number like, man, I can't keep doing this. You know what I mean? It got to be something. So you had been locked up before. Yeah, I was gang banging. Okay. I was actively gang banging. Okay. Okay. Banging. And so we getting pulled over for Joy Ryan with pistol in the car on yeah, our way to yeah. shoot that up. Yeah. Getting caught on the way back from shooting this up. We Damn. were just, it was, it was yeah. all bad. It was a rough, yeah, rough, rough, rough experience. Yeah, I was on the South. same bullshit by the same time you was. Yeah, and I mean, you know, it just was what it was. Yeah. And, and, and not to glorify it strictly right. from the perspective of that's what happened, mm-hmm. period. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's better ways to live your life, but that Absolutely. was not what was happening at that time. Absolutely. And so I came home. I called a number. Cedric arranged for me to meet with him. I came through and by the, I walked in there with 10 of the 11 songs that became Psychoactive done. Mm. They were done. Mm-hmm. The whole thing was done. And he was like, this is amazing. We just need that. Like, we need one track. Mm-hmm. We need one track. So we start working on what became that sickness. That sickness. The last song yeah. on Psychoactive. We made that at Cedric's studio. Took the pictures. Signed the deal. He started working on all the different stuff with Priority Records, trying to make that pop. So, hold on. So, I'm sorry, Rady. I got. I don't want to skip over Psychoactive, bro. <laughs> Let's not. I cannot skip over Psychoactive. You know what I'm saying? Um, when that album dropped, bro, I remember it was this little cat. I can't remember this dude's name, but I went to high school with him. I, I think I was in 10th grade when it came out. So, we talking about 92, right? Yeah. Okay. It was 92. Yeah. And I remember he came to me in the hallway. was like, man, you got to listen to this. It's X-rated, right? So, he gave me the tape. I'm in Kansas City in Missouri. I'm in Northeast High School. So, you know, I'm up in class listening to it. I didn't give a fuck about class, right? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, um, and I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like this shit crazy you know what i mean like it was it was it was so surreal and in the the imagery and everything was just it was it was it was crazy right yeah so i was like hooked i was like what the fuck is this you know what i'm saying and but looking back on it like what was your you know what i'm saying because you're not that you're about a year older than me so what was the you know the 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 genius the 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 mind state to create something like that because what you did was you had nwa Mm-hmm. You had gangster shit. You had so you had your gangster shit, but was that you had a little bit of? I ain't gonna say horrorcore, but it was a little horror. It was yeah, but it was vitriol. It was extreme, yeah. almost violence with some gangster shit. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And I think you were the first to do that. I mean, the Ghetto Boys did it, but they more was more a little more horrorcore though. Kind of you know and more comical. Yeah, yeah, we were, we were yeah. dead serious. Right, right. And that was the difference. Yeah, and I think that the difference between us and NWA and the Ghetto Boys, and, we, and it was utterly deliberate mm-hmm. because we didn't want to be like them. We right. wanted to be like the culture, and we wanted to feel yeah. like because hip hop felt like what hip hop felt right. like. So we knew it needed to feel like hip hop. Yeah, but we didn't want it to be we didn't want to be nwa we didn't right. want to be the ghetto boys we right. wanted to be different yeah yeah and so our strategy was you know the the weakness in nwa was although there was 
hints mm-hmm. at their affiliation. Right. There was right. no blatant declaration. Right. And so one of the first things on Psychoactive was a declaration. It's mm-hmm. garden block. Yeah. Period. Yeah. It's crib. And it wasn't no, then this is how we feel. Yeah, it wasn't no nuance. It wasn't, wasn't no, yeah, it was nothing. What it, is. it was the, yeah. the most, on the level that it was, because, you know, banging on wax was going yeah, on. Yeah, you had yeah. that. But that was almost niche. It wasn't yeah. like somebody felt like that stuff was was going to go nowhere right. or they were going to get a career out right, of it. Right, right. You know, it was really just like, we're going to do this and this mm-hmm. is our gimmick where we felt like we're doing this and this is our life and yeah. our death and our we're dead serious and this mm-hmm. is what it is. And so it was, we're going to declare this, this, this is Garden Block Crab, yeah. first song, it's 24th Street, we represent for 29th yeah. Street, period. Yeah. And we did that off the bat. Mm-hmm. And I think that separated us. And then we saw the comical aspects of the Ghetto Boys and, and I'm hugely influenced by specifically Ice Cube and Scarface. Mm-hmm. Those two, um, I saw that there was a little bit more comedy involved in what the Ghetto Boys were doing mm-hmm. as a group. That comedy went away from Scarface's individual career. His, right. his, it was a whole different thing with Uncle Face, right? Mm-hmm. But the Ghetto Boys and the presence of Bushwick and, you know, mm-hmm. the Chucky doll and yeah, all of this, yeah. you know, on a yeah. street level, like, that's cool, but right. that ain't like, you know. Right, right, right. That was comical. Yeah, it was more like horror movie type yeah. shit as opposed to real life. Yeah, yeah so like yeah. it worked on an entertainment level, but yeah. on a street level, yeah. we weren't going too far with that. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And so I felt like I mm. want to keep it to where the streets understand mm-hmm. it and, and can embrace that. Yeah. We dead serious. We Man, dead listen, serious. that shit was like what you had done at that time. You created a soundtrack for just what the fuck we was doing, you know, but I ain't gonna lie, it poured a little bit of you know, saying yeah. gas on the mentality, you know what I'm saying? Cause when you sitting up and you listen, I had the vision of a murder. X rated sitting in a house with a nine in my hand and a joint in my mouth. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And it was just and even like still shooting, um, oh that that motherfucker you could listen to from beginning to end. And yeah. sickness, I can remember listening to that sickness literally, dog. Cause I think I was on house arrest. And uh I would listen to it at night in my with my walkman. And it was like it would pull me into a different world. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And almost, not, not, maybe not in a good way. You know yeah. what I'm saying? But it pull you into a dark space. It does. You know what I'm saying? And it gets you on some bull. You know what I'm saying? That evil you start tapping It was a into. very evil experience, man. <laughs> it was darkness. It was. Yeah. It was. I had yeah. a dark companion in those days of yeah. my life. And I didn't realize I had that darkness until... Until I got a bar of light, yep. the darkness was gone, and then it came back. Right. When it started trying to come back, that mm-hmm. was when I knew, oh, yeah. that that sensation. It's a it's a it's a real dark spirit. Yeah, and I had that companion, and I summoned it frequently, yeah. and it was yeah. it was my first three records. Yeah, that was supremely present, and you I know mean, it is what it is. Rolling Stone said it was the most hardcore hip hop album of all time. You know what yeah, I mean? It's classic, bro. And the feel I still get that feeling when I hear it even now. You know what I'm saying? And and you know, the thing about it is it was so the the imagery was so vivid. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And I always say, but like you said, you know, we all have two people. We all have darkness and light inside of us. But then when you figure out who wins, right. who wins is whoever you feed. Yeah, the you wolf you feed is yeah. the wolf who wins. So if you going you know, if you feed anger and and rage and negativity shit, yeah. that dark gonna win. But if yeah. you feed love, grace and mercy, then that other part gonna yeah. win. You know what I mean? I remember we talked about that in different books that we enjoy and Don Miguel Ruiz is one of my favorites mm-hmm. in terms of like when I started trying to shift my philosophy mm-hmm. and that was that was his quote 
they said that it was an old native story, mm-hmm. a, a parable almost, and it was a child who asked a, a father telling his child that there were two. Every man had two wolves mm-hmm. inside of him, and that mm-hmm. the wolves, one of the wolves, was for death and destruction and mm-hmm. hatred and evil, yep. and the other wolf was for light and joy yep. and happiness and love. Yep. And the child asked, "Who won?" And the father said, "The wolf you feed." Damn, see, I didn't even know that. Yeah. That's just some shit. That's, that's, I always say you live a life long enough, it teach you how to live. Yeah. That's just from experience. Yeah. I didn't even know that. Damn. So I'm on point. I, you that's, are that's, on that's, point. That's the truth. Yeah. <laughs> that's the truth. Ruiz. I could say, I could say coming from Sacramento at the time, I think there was a sense of pride when that album came out because I'm, you know, I'm two or three years younger than y'all, but at that time you only could listen to rap from other regions. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Because I was in North Highlands, so, you know, you know what we was doing in North Highlands. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we out there in North Highlands off of Water Avenue, and when that came out, it was like, oh, this is us. This is Sacramento. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. You got E-40 tapes and two short tapes, but. Yeah. I, we, I remember it getting past the brown. You know what I mean? Still, like, yeah. it, vividly, where it was like, oh, you got to get you one. You got, you know. We had a yeah. little store called The Underground. I think it was The Underground, right off of Watt and A Street. And it was like that's where you gotta go. You gotta yeah. go get. You gotta go get one of these. And it was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even man, some of the a trip, man. Yeah, it's crazy. Even some of the the out there, you know, songs were so fucked. That shit was. What was the song? Uh, I'm trying to think. When you said, uh, "What you say?" I drag her in my house and take her on a trip through hell. Yeah. Say, For instance, there's a white bitch. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> like I'm following this shit. The storytelling, though, the way you, you know what I'm saying? It was, yeah. it was masterfully you know, executed and read yeah, you know, I was the trying creativity to be, of it. You know, I was on my Hitchcock. I was yeah. obsessed with Hitchcock. And then I felt like, you know, Ice Cube, mm-hmm. I was, what made Ice Cube special? What made Ice-T special was the storytelling ability. Absolutely. And I was conscious of that the East Coast viewed us as inferior rappers, mm-hmm. specifically because we didn't have metaphors, similes. We didn't right. have stories. So even then I knew as a songwriter, that there were components I was going to need to have for my sport to say yeah. I was really one of them ones. Right, right. So delivery was, we were obsessed with delivery. Mm-hmm. We were obsessed with metaphors and similes. And we were actively having those conversations mm-hmm. and actively studying music. Mm-hmm. Like Lynch and I would sit in a room and listen to everything and, mm-hmm. and really comparing why is this working. We would watch the Juice Crew. Mm-hmm. What was dope about the members of the Juice Crew and mm-hmm. what were their strengths and weaknesses Big Daddy Kane, strength and strengths and weaknesses, Cool G Rap, and then you know getting into Slick Rick and mm-hmm. what made Slick Rick so yeah, successful, yeah. and it was the storytelling. Yeah, so it was sure. like children's story was children's what it story was. was the shit. Yeah. It's like how do you replicate yeah. that as a gangster? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that was what I, what I was really on. And psychoactive yeah. on the low is like forty fifty percent stories. Yeah, it's it's con- very conceptual. Yeah, even if it was. Three verses, each verse would be its own contained short story, mm-hmm. or it would be all three verses were one larger story. Right, right. But that was how I was doing it specifically because I wanted hip hop to have to acknowledge that I was a monster. I wanted, Man. I wanted it, I wanted to be the best. Also, I thought that shit, then. When you listen to Sickness, that shit is almost like a Shakespearean play because you have, think about all what you got in there the elements. You got suicide, paranoia. You know what I mean? Yeah. You have. You know, it, that shit, that shit is almost spiritual. Yeah. You know what I mean? When you listen to it, you know? Yeah. And I just remember. Just the intro. Just, just the, the intro. intro. The you know beat, what I'm saying? The commentary before the rap starts. Man. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and even so when up. dude said, uh, yo, cuz, I thought we had a deal. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I was like, damn. Which is funny because the impetus for, so this is 
two, three years before Ready to Die drops, right? Mm-hmm. And they they were like, oh, this is the first time. And it's like, at the, I ended Psychoactive with the suicide. Yeah, right. And then two years later, Notorious B.I.G. ended Ready to Die with a suicide. You know what I yeah. mean? And everybody went all crazy, suicidal thoughts. It literally, mm-hmm. it literally was, this man was listening to Psychoactive. It just straight up, he was listening. Yeah. And so, what what's the sickness, that sickness, and how that sickness contributed to yeah. ready to die. And if you say, well, why would, why, or how would they know? It's mm-hmm. like we were in the source all the time. Yeah. We were in the source magazine all the time, the gun to the temple, the, yeah. the, even Dr. Dre replicating yeah, I my that. psychoactive yep. cover on the cover of the source. So it's like for these people to not be aware of what we yeah. was doing is yeah. comical. And psychoactive was two years before the chronic, a year before the chronic, two years before doggy style, two and a half years before ready to die. It was <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I don't wanna say, look, I'm a Northern <clears throat> California dude and I love and I love the hip hop culture, right? But like, yeah. it never got his job. I mean, the way they played E forty on what he's contributed, what y'all contributed. Yep. You know, people pretend like it didn't happen or yeah. or they didn't originate it. Right. But like we know if you're from there especially, um, like we listen yeah. to it. Like I would hear stuff in pop culture, and I'd be like, I heard that with Forty mm. on the mailman. Yeah, you know what I mean, or a federal. Yeah. Mm. So, so they act like it doesn't exist because to admit that it exists requires. Well, how were you influenced by it? Right. And they want to be. We originated this. And, you know, I remember reading an article in the source where they said that Biggie practically play. He invented the term player hater on on life after death and i was like come on man yeah right invented the term in this five mic review they're saying he invented a term that literally has been being said right too short exactly all these people for a decade like you serious and so yeah we we were dealing with that and that the 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 east west thing and their hold on the culture and i want to let that go and now we've progressed to where other people are really we regions have an opportunity to do their thing but back then honestly it mattered to me that uh east coast publications and east coast rappers had to admit that i was competing that wanted the respect i did respect yeah i did whether i had to take it trip on them something but competitive industry too Mm -hmm. i mean that's the sport right but you was all about the art you was like look i can spit I'm, yeah. from, I'm from Sac. I'm a Crip. I'm from the 24th Street, but I got them bars. Bars. Yeah. That last verse, that first verse on that on that sickness, that delivery. Then, Which one? Oh, oh uh, crazy nigga yeah. will spit some psychoactive and this shit. Yeah, killing yeah. Niggas, the bitches that actually think yeah, that they, they could get. get but that this. that yeah. kind of flow for 19. Yeah. I wrote that night. Well, I wrote that 92. Yeah. You could do that flow right now, and people say, "Oh, that's so dope. It's brand new." Yeah. And it's just something I did, and and yeah. I. 30, 29 years ago, man. And even what, what was the one, the intro to uh, I killed 50 people and I'm dead. 50 hoes, but yeah. not away. Number 49 is running. running. Yeah. yeah. A few times. Boom, boom. boom. Come on, bro. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I know that album through and through. So, That's so, so dig it, bro. So you're 15, 16, maybe, when Psychoactive comes out. Yeah, when when I come, I was sixteen. Mm-hmm. When I got half of it done, mm-hmm. we did the niggas in black EP. That's how I was able mm-hmm. to. I technically sampling the fifty people, fifty mm-hmm. hoes yeah. from an EP that we ah, had done previously okay. on a street level. Okay. I was from the Endangered from a song called "For the Funk of It," uh, and me and brother okay. Lynch. 
I always so, wondered why it sounded like that. It was you know a sample I mean? okay. of another song. Okay. Uh, yeah. And so we uh, had that out. And then I was 17 mm-hmm. when I turned psychoactive in. Wow. And you know the funny part about the imagery when we talk about that? Mm-hmm. We didn't buy an outfit. We didn't, you know, go get a gun, a prop. None. We literally had a candle. Mm-hmm. What, what, that was what I was wearing. That was how I felt, how yeah. I was walking around. Wow. And then just was like, all right, it's like this. Yeah. And this is how I feel. And, yeah. and took some pictures. Yeah. And that was it. So I was it trying was to like, get a, I was trying to get a strap authentic like as hell. I wanted a strap like that. Yeah, I was up. like, damn, where you find that nickel plated shit at? Because them ain't around here. Hey. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so. um, So wait, was this, so at 17, was this some? this was just like a, a street deal? How'd you sign your deal? I signed, I signed an actual contract with Black Market Records. That, mm-hmm. At 17? At 17 years old. There was. See, I may have been 16 when we signed that deal, 17, something like that. Yeah. I was, was 17 when the album came legal? out. Could you do that? It is not technically legal. Yeah. And so we addressed that years later when yeah. I turned 21. We okay. signed another deal. When, oh, okay. I, when I turned Exorcist in, we signed a deal that covered psychoactive oh, okay. and Exorcist. Oh, okay. Dope. And so dope. Cedric did what he had to do the right way. And oh, then, that's dope. Then I did another deal for Unforgiven and Vengeance is Mine. Okay. So. And Nefarious. So that shit comes out. Um, how many records did it sell initially? Initially, I, yeah. our first shipments of Psychoactive were somewhere around the 50,000. Okay. Somewhere around 50,000. Was that through and Priority? That Initially, it wasn't. It okay. was directly through Black Market. Okay. And I was the first artist ever signed to Black Market. Okay. So Black Market Records, I'm the, I'm the LL Cool J of Def Jam to Black Got Market you. Records. Got you. Right. Even though they were dabbling before me, mm-hmm. I was the <laughs> first artist they ever hit with. And so we put Psychoactive out on a on a you know mm-hmm. just B two B level. Yeah, yeah. And then that got us the priority deal. Got you. And then it got us re release. And then season of the uh, twenty four deep came out right okay. behind that. So okay. Psychoactive got us the deal. Yeah. Psychoactive gets his re release, and yeah. then twenty four deep was the first original release. Got you under got that you. deal. So they kicked the door open. Psychoactive, it did. So I, I mean, mean, first time anybody ever heard Sibo voice, yeah, is on Psychoactive. First time it was so early in his career that they were calling him Snowman. Sibo was on Psychoactive. Sibo is on Psychoactive. On what song? Sibo's on the chorus of "Fuck It with a Psycho." He on the chorus of every single bed. He's on the chorus. Sibo's bro, like, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Sibo is everywhere on Psychoactive. Yeah. So so he's behind you on the ad libs. Yeah, voice voices everywhere. Oh, Damn, oh, I didn't oh, know oh. that. Wow. Now 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 it's in the whip on the way home. Yeah yeah yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm restudying. Yeah, Damn, and I'm in the crazy. cover talking about my brother Snowman. Much love. Ah. Arm block. Blah 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 blah. That was Sebo's first rap name. Oh, that's <laughs> right. before Cowboy. And there was all the other stuff. <laughs> see, dude, it was was so early. There was no Sebo. Damn, Snowman. Damn, that's crazy. And he was a monster. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we knew that already. Yeah, I was dog. Yeah. Already. Yeah, Bo. Uh, you already know I'm biased on this podcast, but we brothers, so Bo and Lynch are both going to, we, yeah. we're getting them both in to, yeah. to do, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I would love that. Yeah. Uh, if I can facilitate that, I would for love sure, to. For sure, for sure. Lynch is easy. That's a phone call. Yeah. And he here now. He SoCal. He's near? SoCal. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's nearby. Yeah. Okay. It's easy. So um, so now uh, that's come, that came out. So man, you 17, you got this album, it's blowing up. What are you doing? You know what I'm saying? 
as your career is blossoming. Do you know that your career is blossoming like that? I do. You know that we fucking with you in Kansas City like that? You know they fucking with you in Texas like that? Yeah. yeah Did you start coming. touring or something like that? So before Psychoactive came out, I was running around. I was all over the place. Mm -hmm. And then when Psychoactive came out, I was arrested for murder. So okay. I got arrested on a gang-related homicide. And right. I go through the county jail experience. And I remember... You know, then there, everybody sending me magazine subscriptions mm -hmm. so I could pass the time. You know, you don't mm -hmm. be staring at the walls. Mm -hmm. And so I got the source, which was the Bible of hip hop at the time. Absolutely. And the source comes, they hand me the source, and I open them out. I'm reading the magazine, and I'm all, I'm in like three spots in the mm -hmm. magazine. This magazine I wanted to be in my whole life. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And there I am. Damn. And I was like, what the fuck? But you are know? you in there for what you in jail for, or are you in there for the music? I'm in there for both. So okay. the first article I've, I read about me was written by Billy Jam, mm -hmm. and it was about me and Mac Dre and the the, the budding scene in Northern California, mm -hmm. the Bay Area specifically. I kept calling it Bay Area. It was, mm -hmm. drove me crazy, but it was like, all right, the budding rap scene yeah. in the Bay Area. So you got Mac Dre, <clears throat> you got me, and it was about our music mm -hmm. and our criminal history, yeah. what we were going through, because yeah. I think Mac Dre had been arrested as well. Right. And so that was that. And then there was a, a psychoactive mm -hmm. review. Right. And then there was the editorial about the album. How many mics yeah. did you get? I don't recall what I got on psychoactive. Okay. I don't remember, but it's September 1992 issue. Okay. I do remember that. So let's drag it back. And, you know, I know it's public record, but, mm -hmm. you know, and we don't have to get into it if you don't want to, you know. But so you get arrested for the gang related homicide. Yeah. What, what was that? And that was like, the, I don't know, that was like my third time being arrested for homicide by that point. But mm -hmm. this was so, you know, they got us, got us, got us. And somebody's talking about this is what they think happened, blah, 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 mm -hmm. which had never happened before. Mm -hmm. So we had the difference was, you know, as a new individual and this individual was talking about. You know, how, how they catch up with you, though? I mean, you know what I'm saying? So man, what, what went my, down? How, how, how did they catch? Well, let's go back. What happened? Uh, we had an unfortunate set of circumstances mm -hmm. occurred in the South Area in relation to gang banging, right? Let's call it that. Okay. And we lost a friend mm -hmm. uh, to what we perceived to be a, a action on behalf of some specific gang members. And in mm -hmm. retaliation for that, we, we took action against them, right? Mm -hmm. Allegedly. Mm -hmm. And so that's what happened. So in response to that, uh, an individual who participated started talking about this is what occurred. This is what ah, occurred. This okay. is what occurred. He got arrested and, you know, informed them yeah. who other members were. Uh, he didn't know my, he didn't have my name specifically mm -hmm. and didn't know who I was because he was with, he was a stepbrother mm -hmm. or brother and stepbrother of, of one of my close associates. Mm -hmm. And so he wasn't around very often or none of that. And so they always call me black ass chalk and he didn't know who, he didn't know I was X-rated. Mm -hmm. He just knew I was black ass chalk. So he's trying to even know, remember that. So he's telling the police it was somebody named Ice Cream. So they looking for Ice Cream. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? They're not looking for me. And I'm in Arizona. I had a show in Arizona. I had a show in New Mexico. And I had a show in uh, was Tucson. So I had to do New Mexico. Then I had to do Phoenix. And then I had to do Tucson. Mm -hmm. And so I was running around. And they picking the homies off. Because of this cat, and then I called looking for for one of my boy. Like where everybody at? And his mom told me, man, they got arrested. And I was like, okay, yeah, all right. And then when they caught up to almost the second to last or the last person to be arrested, 
They told him he was charged with murder. This is what they knew he had done, and he he used his alibi as, you know, I was with x I didn't have nothing to do with that. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't telling on me, you know, he was just mm-hmm. saying, I didn't have nothing to do with that. Yeah. I was with my boy. Yeah. I got an alibi. That's how they started looking for who who's x mm-hmm. and that's how my name came up. And they got a picture of me, and then showed it to the other cat, and he said, that's that's ice cream. Yeah. That was like, that's x Damn. And so... They came and got me in Arizona, got arrested in Tucson, mm-hmm. uh, extradited from Maricopa County back to Sacramento, and that was the last time I saw the streets for twenty five years. So you, so you seventeen. Mm-hmm. What was that feeling like? I mean, you know, you know, okay, this time there's some serious shit. I got this record out. You know what I mean? I'm facing some real shit. Niggas is telling on me. You know what I mean? Like, mm. what is what was your psychological at that point when you in? Because I'm sure you was in the county fight trying to fight it. I was. My yeah. psychology was just, man. I was. It was devastating. On one hand, I feel great uh, remorse for for this family, right? Because right. things didn't go the way that you know this mm-hmm. stuff typically is supposed to go. Which, right. And ironically very much how it's supposed to go mm-hmm. is it very rarely goes co- according to plan mm-hmm. and you don't know that as a child mm-hmm. you know they say the baby rattlesnake is more dangerous than the adult rattlesnake because it doesn't know that it has it's born with the same potency of mm-hmm. venom as an adult right so it just bites and bites and bites mm-hmm. and i was a baby rattlesnake it's just biting on stuff and so i i did feel a sense of of, of empathy and, and remorse but on the other hand i was not permitted mm-hmm. i was not permitted and you know and it's crap, and that's how I felt like this crap. Yeah. Period. So I, I was, I was battling those two things mm-hmm. that I don't know how cool. I don't think this is necessary, necessarily cool. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, it's crap. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, for that's a lot for a seventeen-year-old to oh, have to yeah. process. So my psychology really became that of almost just on beast mode. I just warriored out. It's like, it's going to be what it's going to be. And uh, by the time I got to the county jail, you know, I went through getting, first I had to fight the death penalty. And is it appropriate for a juvenile to be sentenced to, mm-hmm. to a death penalty or to even have a death penalty case? Were they trying well, first to get the it gang was, enhancement? Oh, they did give me the gang enhancement. Okay. There was yeah. no trying. Okay. They did everything yeah. that, you, you know, mm-hmm. ironically, these laws aren't, it's not legal to do any of that in the state of California anymore. Mm-hmm. So the first thing was, we're going to transfer this case to adult court now. Right now, that's not legal. This case would have stayed in juvenile court. So the first thing that happened in my circumstance that would not be allowed is that it was transferred to adult court. Once it was in adult court, we're going to prosecute this case for capital punishment, seeking a death penalty, which is currently not legal. Mm-hmm. You can't do that to a 17-year-old, to a juvenile. Um, and then the other one was an open case of murder um, on the... I forget what they call it, the felony murder rule is you got five people and one victim, one bullet, one gun. And mm-hmm. you have, but you have five people charged with first degree murder. It's not humanly possible for five people to right. kill one right. person with one bullet, one gun. Right. And that's now no longer legal in the state of California. Right. But I experienced all of those things. Did they try to yeah. back that up with conspiracy? They didn't, which okay. would have been, well, they, they charged, they did have a throw a conspiracy charge on me, but I beat it. Okay. So I beat the conspiracy charge mm-hmm. and didn't beat the first degree murder charge, which mm-hmm. is ironic because the DA didn't argue that I killed somebody. Mm-hmm. So you have a district attorney arguing I was guilty of conspiracy mm-hmm. and a jury defines me guilty of, of first degree murder. Mm-hmm. Right. 
which, you know, we in a time where Snoop's on trial, you got yeah. Mike Tyson, all these different things and these yeah. articles being written about me. And yeah. The other trials. So we split and fractured our trials. So they, they go to trial before me and it's all oh, we were just following behind x ray That's being said by the lawyers. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It, it, it's funny. You know, you have all these conversations. I've never done that to my homies. Mm-hmm. I never thought it was necessary. They was kids. Yeah. So I got a, I got a, somebody who was 16. It was even younger than me when we were arrested. Were you the oldest? I was one. Um, yeah, I okay. was the oldest. Actually, okay. I turned 18 first, went to the county jail. Everybody followed behind me. So the actual shooter was younger than you. The actual shooter was younger than me. Wow. Allegedly. Yeah, yeah we're going to yeah, allegedly. <laughs> well, he was he was the person in question was acquitted when we went to trial. Right. So they found me guilty and found him not guilty because the only two people that could have said who did what? It was me or him. Mm-hmm. So he might have said, you know, I was with X Rated, and they come arrest me and put us both on trial. So because of things that were stated, we have four people, one person this te- testifying against this. So they split this trial in two halves. So the first two to go to trial, their lawyers decide that the appropriate defense is to say. It was they was just following behind the rapper. Mm. So I got a year and a half of. We were just following X-rated Damn. on my way to trial. And the big homie's saying, they bought, they're preparing to lock you up. They telling this in the media, this is what they're doing. And so they find them guilty. And they whole defense was, they was just following behind me, right? So the lead shooter put it on you. He did not. Uh-huh. The, the lead shooter went to trial with me. So he was okay. one of the ones that also was was being uh-huh. you know, a victim of the yeah, two defense attorneys yeah. who we're pushing this this message, this mm-hmm. this defense on these other two. Mm-hmm. So the two of us, we we had to sever had a severance, and those two went to trial together and were convicted. And then he and I went to trial together, and he was acquitted, and I was I was convicted because only the two of us really at that point. The other two wasn't gonna come testify on us. They, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But their lawyers' defense specifically right. was. We it was X rated. We were following X rated. We were following X rated. So the the news media is reporting this for three years before I ever make it in the courtroom. Mm-hmm. And so I already knew what time it was. The big homies know what time it was. I go from seventeen to twenty one. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I go yeah. from I go from one hundred eighty pounds to two hundred and twenty pounds. Yeah, and you know what I mean. Yeah. So my psychology is like it's it's on. I'm yeah. I'm going. It's, it is what it is. Yeah, I'm coming. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna do me. So I wasn't even. I at that point, I already knew it was all bad. I so you it. were the first rapper that they they used your they had your lyrics admissible into court. They did. They allowed my lyrics to be used against me. That's I crazy. know there was somebody else uh, from Philly who had a case, a death penalty case that they tried to do something similar yeah. to. But mine was the first case in the history of hip hop where yeah, lyrics, album cover, imagery, all Let that. Let me ask you so because I know it was rumor where I was. I was in Missouri, but. They, cause I know they said they tried to say that you, it was what I'm killing aunties that shit. Yeah, Caroline, they tried right? to do that to. But me. you, that record was out before the alleged incident, correct? It was, and not only that, they so the media they take the the song, the intro to Psychoactive is called the murder. Yeah, the second song of Psychoactive is called Still Shooting. Still Shooting. Yeah, the media on purpose. And I, I try to tell now we got where people suspicious of the media. Yeah. Back yeah, then yeah. it was like whatever they said. Whatever they goes. said was law. Yeah. And so they they say he made a song called The Murder mm-hmm. and in it he describes this entire set of circumstances mm-hmm. and that was utterly just not true. Right. 
the name of the song is not the murder and the song did not describe the circumstance and if yeah. they had used the entire lyric so then they quote this yeah. omit that and yeah. edit it so the they lyrics. edited the context they edited the context yeah. to fit the narrative they yeah. want to change the name yeah. of the song and ran with that story and then the AP picked it up and yeah. that became the story that got told. Then they even tried to say that the gun you had was the right set to put the cherry on top. Even though they never found the gun, never performed forensics on it or anything, but the story is that gun made on the, the album yeah, cover is the, the story. gun of the crime. Yeah. So they made all that up. Yeah, damn. They made 100% of that up and the, and the jury bit. So truth be told, okay, even though you may have allegedly been there around maybe in the, you know, you really got convicted because of being a rapper and your lyrics. Yeah, I got convicted on the basis of this dangerous rapper needs to be off the street. Wow. You know, and then there was an argument that society was safer with me gone, but they'd be gone for something I really did. You exactly. know what I mean? So, exactly. you know, what was I guilty of? You yeah. know what I mean? So, so let me ask you, do you, were you, was your defense, okay, I might be guilty-ish. I may have been around, but I didn't do what you're saying, saying that I did. That was not our, de our defense was, you know, I didn't do that. Right. And so it almost felt like, okay, you didn't do it, prove it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I don't have to prove it. Yeah, the burden of proof is on you. Right, but yeah. they break all the rules when it yeah. comes, they break all the rules when it comes to African-Americans being arrested right. at all. Right. Nevertheless, for African-American being arrested, that's a rapper. Right. Right, so now all the rules getting broken. Yeah. And they continue to do that. You yeah. know, if you if you wrote a book and you put that book out, they're not going to go arrest the author because it's a right. murder similar to the book right. occurred or something and say, right. this is a crime because you wrote about it. You are the reason this happened or none of that. But they uh -huh. do that to our culture. And that's because authors aren't predominantly African-American and rappers right. are. Right. And so it's just a vehicle to feed the prison industrial mm -hmm. complex. And right. that's what they do. And so I was I, I was a, a victim of that mm -hmm. in now people have a greater understanding because mm -hmm. it, it occurs with so much more frequency on a greater scale mm -hmm. and people can see it and that these are children. Mm -hmm. And I'm empathetic to that too. You know, a 17-year-old child. Yeah. yeah. A seven, I was a 17-year-old yeah. child. Yeah, real talk. Same yeah. thing with me, bro. I was 15 uh, when I first got locked up. Uh, we had robbed a bunch of gun stores. Um, you know, I got charged with shooting into an occupied dwelling, unlawful mm -hmm. use of a weapon, armed criminal action, you name it, I did it. You know what I'm saying? But looking back on it, I mean, I'm 15. You know what I'm saying? I'm wayward. I'm going, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I couldn't, I was doing shit that now at this age, I'm like, damn, I can't believe I did that. Like, yeah. I wouldn't do that shit in a million years. Now. Yeah. But, you know, they say that, what, your frontal lobe cortex or whatever it's called, yeah. even completely formed. Yeah, the prefrontal what, up until, cortex. Yeah, until what, yeah. 20, 21? 25. Or some 25. Yeah, and that's what happened with me. So there's a case called Miller versus Alabama that went mm -hmm. to the United States Supreme Court. And I remember first discovering that this was entering the course in like 2002. So this is around when I started thinking like, okay, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going to keep an eye on this because I, I had the twinkle of a hope. Mm -hmm. I had already lost all my appeals, but it's like, Maybe these laws will change. We saw some stuff starting to move in the state, and uh, we're hopeful. And so Miller versus Alabama goes to the Supreme <clears throat> Court, and the argument was that juveniles should not be subject to um, capital punishment, that capital punishment was cruel and unusual punishment as defined by the Eighth Amendment of the United States Constitution. And so uh, I start keeping an eye on that. 
that argument progressed and, mm-hmm. and got ruled on and they determined that juveniles should not be put to death and uh and capital punishment cases should not be subjected to that because specifically the the neurology right so it was like a child has not um progressed mm-hmm. far enough and matured far enough yeah scientifically to determine if they're redeemable or not. So to right. say that their life should just be over. Absolutely. And and that was ruled on. And then they shot, they took a shot at the states by saying, we believe that this this discussion should extend to the concept of life. Mm-hmm. We believe that the same is true when it comes to life without the possibility of parole mm-hmm. and with uh, 31, 25 to life, 15 to life sentences. Mm-hmm. And so now the states hear that happen, they start freaking out. Yeah. Because if, if as constructed, if the Supreme Court have received a case on that subject, they made it very clear already where they would rule. Mm-hmm. And so you have all these states who have monetized imprisoning these juveniles right. and keeping them for life. Mm-hmm. You know, you can, you can, they will pay themselves. The state of California will pay itself sixty eight point five, sixty eight thousand five hundred dollars per inmate to house you mm. and catch you when you're sixteen and keep you till you die. Wow. And pay itself, yeah, every year for you being there, yeah, right. And then, and I tell people if you want to know it, if it's nefarious or if it's you get you get arrested under penal code mm-hmm. and you get sentenced under commercial code. Mm-hmm. Right, so they transporting you from it's a transaction between the county and the state. You are a property, a product, and this product is being sold to the state, mm-hmm. right? It's human trafficking. It's so that makes sense of why, you know, a lot of these record companies are, you know what I'm saying, invested into that that world right. because now they have artists that are promoting. They are. You know what I mean? Yeah. They, they're doing a promotion. So they like, okay, promote this, you know, this criminality, you know, mm-hmm. and this imagery. And, okay, we're going to win on both sides. Oh, they went in. They own the mortuary. Mm-hmm. They own the cemetery. Mm-hmm. They own the prison. They own the distribution company. Mm-hmm. They own, they own the private prisons. They have wow. investments into that. They own it all. Mm-hmm. So we're going to get the money from the entertainment, which mm-hmm. perpetuates the lifestyle, exactly. which will fill up all of the rest of our business. Exactly. We're going to fill up this graveyard, and we're going to fill up this prison, yeah. and we're going to pay ourselves for it. Wow. And that's what that's they've done. Shit. It has been constructed. Yeah. It's been going down for a while. Man, so you since, get- Since the end of slavery. I mean, literally. Yeah. Just, there was no such thing as the end of slavery. Right? It just transitioned. Yeah, slavery is hereby abolished in these United States of America, except as a punishment for those duly convicted of a crime. That's what the 13th Amendment says. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It does not say it's abolished. It wow. says except. So slavery was modified. It was not abolished. It was modified. Wow. And so as soon as that's done and that was ratified, they created vagrancy laws to ensure. So we've said it's abolished except. And now we're going to put laws in place to make sure that the except is utilized. And that was the invention of prison, the concept of prison in the Mm -hmm. United States of America was literally a response. Mm -hmm. And policing. policing. Was in response to the abolishment of slavery. Wow. Damn, that's a cold piece. The modification of slavery. So you get this. So you went to trial, correct? Mm -hmm. You didn't cop the plea. No, no, I went to trial. Okay, you went they to trial. Do it to me. Yeah, you have to give it to me. <laughs> I need all that. Go yeah. on and do it then. So they were, were they trying to plead with you? They did. Mm-hmm. I got offered a uh, 
manslaughter. Okay. Uh, midterm on a manslaughter, but it, I would have had to say this is what really occurred. I mm -hmm. was not willing to do that. Yeah. And so, you know, I went back and told the fellas this is what's going on. Mm -hmm. And we had some conflict over people who had not reported that they had been offered something similar to that. Mm -hmm. And uh, we resolved that amongst ourselves and agreed that everybody going to Mm -hmm. We're going to face this yeah. and we're not going to harm each other. And that was our agreement. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I went did to Did everybody trial. stand with that? Yeah. The okay. four of us did stand okay. with that. Okay. The outside of their lawyer's defenses being we were hypnotized by the rapper, which, you mm -hmm. know, yeah. whatever. Yeah. So so you go. So here you are, 17, 18. You get hit with, was it 31 to life? I got 25 to life and a six-year gang enhancement. Okay. Yeah. So you basically, in essence, 31 years. 31 in life. Okay. So, damn, what's going through your head when that happens? Let's go. Mm -hmm. Like, let's go. I'm at this point. Fuck this county jail. Mm -hmm. Let me, let's go. Let me go get my walk, man, and get my workout. And yeah. whoever got a problem, I'm coming. That's how I felt. It's yeah. great. That's how I felt. So you ran into Mac Dre in the county? I did. I ran into Mac Dre in the county jail, okay. yeah. Is he the one now? It was rumored. I don't know if this story was true. Did he put you up on game with the phone and the rapping over the phone? So Lynch, Lynch, we're working on twenty four deep before mm -hmm. I went to before I got arrested, mm -hmm. and then Lynch, I had not recorded vocals for it, mm -hmm. so he sampled me on songs, but mm -hmm. I hadn't. He hadn't recorded uh, me or anything for me. So Lynch had me call in and I did something on the answering machine on 24 Deep. Oh, yeah. Was it? I got the call at the pay phone. Yeah. 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 Okay. Oh, he's in the day. Yeah, yeah, got the that day, nine crown. So, yeah, so, yeah. so I did that on the answering machine and Lynch okay. sampled it and put it in the song. Mm -hmm. And then that blew up. And so Mac Dre was aware of that because he was listening. So he had heard 24 Deep and he was like, man, how'd y'all do that? And I told him, man, I'll just do it on the answering machine. He was like, man, this is what we did. This is what you got to do. So he was like, we we took the phone apart. Mm -hmm. uh, no, he said we used, we plugged the phone directly into the board. That was mm -hmm. how he said it. And I was like, okay, this is, like, this is what you're supposed to do. I guess mm -hmm. Kuba brother, Kyrie, a young black brother. Had, I remember you know, Kyrie. He was advanced. Mm -hmm. he was, Kyrie don't get none of his props, but he was a beast. Mm -hmm. And so Kyrie had that worked out, and Mac Mall and all them were recording. You stay, he was, Mac Drive was recording stuff for them mm -hmm. over the phone, and then I think he did live from Fresno County. Yep. Jail. And so they gave me that game, and then I took that to an engineer named John Botch from a studio called Inharmonic, which mm -hmm. is the first studio Lynch took me to, mm -hmm. a real studio, because mm -hmm. we went from Percy's bedroom to Inharmonic, like, mm -hmm. in a matter of three days. Mm -hmm. It was like, if you can afford, if you got to pay for your studio time, but you pay for the time, and I'll, I'll, I'll make sure that you get your stuff recorded correctly. Right. That was Lynch. Right. And then what I would do is pay for the time and I would finish so fast that he would, I would let him have the rest of the studio time. Mm -hmm. So I'll just book more time than I needed, sell some dope, mm -hmm. pay for the studio time, and then let Lynch have everything after I finished what I was doing. And mm -hmm. that was how he was recording 24D. Okay. And then other people got involved and started helping as well. But anyway, he fast forward. I take that back to John Botch and John Botch is like, I think we could expound on that. Mm -hmm. And so he took the phone apart soldered the wires, the transmitters, and plugged it directly in the board to service as a microphone. So everything I said through the phone came out of the mix board. Mm -hmm. And then I called on another phone, and he had that soldered mm -hmm. and plugged it in so that the music came out of the phone. Mm -hmm. So I'm listening to the beat on one headphone, and I'm rapping the beat on one phone. Damn. I had a phone with the beat and a phone with the mic. Yeah. And that was how I recorded Exorcist. Exorcist. <laughs> in the day room in another, the county Another jail. classic. 
Man. Yeah. So yeah. did you have to hide to do that from, from the guards? Really? No. They just let you do it? It was the unequivocal king of my county jail. There is no question about that. Okay. And anywhere I wanted to go, did whatever I wanted to do. I never locked my door, nothing. I'm mm-hmm. just... It's X-rated in Sacramento County. Yeah. Coming from psychoactive, having been made, and them being just as proud as the city yeah. was, right? Yeah. So you ask some of these cops who are just as proud mm-hmm. as anybody else. Like, mm-hmm. they, yep, there you go. And yeah. it's like, you can't, you can, there is no phone list. There's no. Yeah. So I wasn't doing nothing wrong. Oh, okay. So what, no, okay, like I got he, you. What, he, what yeah. he uses his phone time for is what he uses it for. Yeah. And yeah. We, for we can't see that he broke a rule. Okay. And so now you either have to invent a rule uh-huh. or you have to leave him alone. Yeah. And so 651 I Street, that became the new uh, that became the new <laughs> studio right there. It did. Yeah. Five West. Yes, sir. Five West. Yeah. So you, so was that a plan? So you said, fuck it, that you like, I got this sentence. But who who was instrumental in saying, but we're going to continue? You figured this I wasn't shit out, we're going to do yet. another. I wasn't okay. sentenced yet when we started working on Exorcist. Uh, Exorcist. Okay. Um, really, it was like Lynch. After we did what we did on mm-hmm. 24 Deep, Lynch was mm-hmm. just, you know, Lynch, there's mm-hmm. pushing this X-rated yeah. period. That's yeah. how I felt. Yeah. It's like my little brother is savage. At this point, me, we done been together for years. Yeah. And then they've... And, you know, yeah. as much as I idolized Lynch, Lynch idolized me. You know yeah. what I mean? I was everything that he wasn't, mm-hmm. and he was everything that I wasn't. And right. so when I looked at who do I aspire musically, yeah. Lynch was Lynch was the bar. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? As dope as I was or how fast I came out before Lynch, mm-hmm. Lynch was somebody that I looked at like, mm-hmm. okay, technique-wise, certain yeah. aspects. You know, I think bar for bar for bar, some people would say that I went more hip-hop faster earlier yeah. and that it right. It, it changed mm-hmm. in terms of us when it comes to written rhymes, mm-hmm. but in terms of cadence and delivery, Lynch was by far the most dopest yeah, deliverer sure. of rhymes in the for history sure. of hip hop. Yeah, for sure. If Definitely it was if, if yeah. that if if delivery was kung fu, Lynch was black belt. Yeah, we've and talked a, about that. And we've a master. About, yeah. Was it about it or what was the verse that we talked about? Where which one? The Lynch one. We talked about one verse where it was like lyrically, this is I think it might have been his verse on the Oh, you talking about, about you talking about I'm about it. Yeah. 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 Was it, it was it situational? No, that wasn't yeah, situational. Yeah, the bullet hole by the gas tank. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean like we we both talked about that like Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is there anything doper than this on this? Like in this year, in this year. Yeah, Lynch like, was a genius. He was a genius. Yeah. Yeah. And we were really like there was a bullet hole by the gas tank. You know what I mean? Like that was it was yeah. true. Yeah. Gives me goosebumps. Yeah. Like that's what it really yeah. was. Yeah. And so I was I was this mascot for people who weren't willing to to do some of the stuff that I was doing. You know, yeah. it was a normal intersection and it's going down. We was out the car tripping right yeah. then and there. Yeah. Like I was I was that person. I mm. was the baby rattlesnake. Mm. And Lynch was proud of me and mortified at the same time. <laughs> you know what I mean? He was yeah. glad I was around and yeah. terrified at the same time. Yeah. Like, like, man, little bro, be easy. It's going to be okay. And I'm like, who why who tripping like why wouldn't it be okay like i was super i didn't understand i had no discipline i had no concept of boundaries anybody could get it was a real thing i meant that the ebk was real it was a it literally was a real thing yeah and and so lynch was always worried like the last thing i need is for you to die or go Mm -hmm. to jail like he was he knew it and both sebo too they bought three of them you know really there was three specific people cedric Lynch and Sebo, who was telling me, like, bro, mm-hmm. you're next year, you won't even recognize your own life. Just relax. Yeah. You got to chill out. They were the only ones telling me that. Mm-hmm. But I would go back to 
Munson Way and, yeah. and Florin Road, and it's like this crib. This is where we at. Yeah. It is, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't have a difference between my life and my vocation at mm. all. Not and now, now I have these clearly defined roles, and I demand both feet in business for my artists. But as a direct result of that, mm-hmm. I got this compound and a place for my artists to go mm-hmm. specifically because when I finished, when I left the studio, I was back on yeah. the set. Yeah, real talk. It, so trying to tell me yeah. we having a business experience here and I'll leave that and I'm back yeah. on the on the set. I'm I'm surviving, period. Yeah, yeah. I'm a lead. And even if that means I gotta be out here tripping. So I wanted my artist to have somewhere yeah. where when you you sign this deal and you wanna be here, you know what I mean? We spent a portion of our morning looking up houses yeah. so we yeah. can put these brothers yeah. somewhere yeah, yeah. like stay out of trouble. Here's a pool. Yeah. You, yeah, you, chill. Just chill so just we chill. can work. Yeah. You ain't go, don't go home. Yeah, yeah. we did the you same You signed thing. a deal. Don't go home. Yeah. You I here. I think that's, yeah. so, that's so important, too, man, because, I mean, you know the politics in North Sacramento, where I'm from, and, mm. and the studio that I worked at, it was the set. Right. So we had a producer that left and went to Steve's Liquor, which is a block, a, a block away, right, and got smoked at the liquor store. Like, it wasn't even, we never even had that separation, right? right. It was just like, this is where we're at. Mm-hmm. And you could get shot outside on the end of yeah. In the Black same. Market's the headquarters was in Power G in? Parkway, bro. Oh, <laughs> Power in. By the time they got the power in, yeah. I had three records out. Yeah, yeah. I had three. You talking about the out. G? That's they. We literally were in yeah. a garage in Cedric's house in G Parkway. Yeah, my cousin was in G Parkway. Right. So right, we right would, there right was that was my record label. Yeah. So now if I get sent to the studio, <clears> I'm going to Inharmonic or I'm going to L.A. or I'm going to Pajamas Up and I'm going to uh, to, yeah. to San Francisco or to Richmond. Mm-hmm. I'm going to the to the Bay. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's my choices. But when that's done, I'm going right back to 24th Street, 29th Street, Florin Road, the Munson Way, or I'm at Cedric's in G Parkway. Yeah. And even coming over there. This, and and I'm, did the, I'm a I did the same moron. Thing, it's, it's I got blue rag yeah. hanging out my pocket, pistol <laughs> in my in the in the hoodie from Psychoactive yeah. on. Then like here I come. Yeah, and that was how I was moving around all the time. It was insane. I say this to say that that was utterly insane. I hope nobody feels inspired by this. We could right. laugh about it. That right, cool. right, right, right. Like yeah, I was wild. I was nuts. That shit was utterly insane. Yeah, right. And if yeah. Pac had survived his night in Vegas, he would say. That shit was utterly yeah, the same. Yeah. yeah, survived it and lived through it. Yeah. You look back on that. I would look not encourage none of y'all to do that. No, real we talk. We could have accomplished all this shit real talk. in a different kind of way. Without sure. that shit. But then at some time, you know, I mean, like they say, you know, bad chapters in our lives make for good stories, you know, great stories. But, and it, and it, you know, it created who we are today because I did the same shit. I signed with P. I signed with No Limit. I was like 17, 18. And I can remember being in Oakland. This is when we were still in Oakland. Yeah. And... I remember we were in the studio. We in K. Lou's studio. Yeah, we was in K. Lou's studio. In K. Lou's studio. Yeah. So let me tell you what my dumb ass say. So I'm sitting up there in the studio with Beats by the Pal. I'm telling P. I'm like, bro, I got to get back home. He like, what the fuck you got? What's in Kansas City? What you got to go back for? (laughs) I had some, you know, I had some weight. I had to get back and get to it. I'm like, dog, this music shit cool. Just let me go back for a few days because I got to get whatever I had to get off. You know, how long did two days turn into? You know, well, nah, he wouldn't let me go back. Oh, that's what's up. Because he told me, he said, dog, if I send you back, you're going to go to jail, you're going to get killed. Yep. Straight up. He was saying, he was like, you're going to go to jail. And you wasn't willing to get do But my mentality, right? You was going to go to jail. Yeah. I had to get back and get to it. You know what I'm saying? I had a couple pounds I was trying to, you know what I mean? We didn't be talking about weed. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? We do what we know. I had to get to it. You know, so I had that mentality too. And fast 
fast forward, you know, as I, you know, grew to have my own artists and shit, I learned you got to kind of think for them and protect them because sometimes they can't, they don't have the foresight. They do, you know, and they don't have the discipline. They don't understand. But that's part of being a leader. And maybe we don't even need them to yet. Right. What they need is to to have a safe environment Mm -hmm. where the people that are responsible for those items are sincere people. Right. And they're going to do the right thing. Right. And then we need them to stay in that moment, stay in this Mm -hmm. energy. Mm -hmm. If I had to deal with all that other stuff, that atmosphere we talking about on Psychoactive, Mm -hmm. I couldn't have created that atmosphere worried about publishing rights and all that. I couldn't have done that. Right. But that still needed to be done in a way where Mm -hmm. my interests were protected. Mm -hmm. And and Cedric, for the most part, made sure that was true Mm -hmm. for me. Yeah. And so, you know, I I had a blessed circumstance, but the, the truth is, we do want our artists to be able to stay in that energy and stay in that that atmosphere that keep they're the creating edge. for their art. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah, so it's like, stay here. There ain't no yeah. leaving. Right, right. Vegas been good to us, man. Shout out to Vegas, Henderson, Nevada. It's been real good to us. Yeah. Summerlin, all of it. And so, you know, we we real proud of that. But back then, I didn't have that. Right, right. I didn't have that. So my mind was, you know, I left and I have one foot in a studio. I had a toe in a studio and I had nine toes yeah on the block period and so by the time i was headed to prison or even when we were making uh exorcist you Mm -hmm. could hear that Mm -hmm. and i was telling lynch like man you know i i I got these songs yeah and low-key really was the impetus for it me and lynch i would call lynch we sit on the phone Mm -hmm. and lynch would be like i just wrote something i'll be like me too and so me and lynch swapping verses Mm -hmm. on the phone and low-key is like listening to this shit on the phone telling everybody this these dudes are the this is the dopest shit you will ever hear and it's not even recorded right it's just me and lynch playing on the phone showing each other verses this is what i'm working mm-hmm. on this because i'm his favorite rapper and he's right. my favorite right, rapper right. right and so we wanted each other to be impressed and we were and so he's low-key was like we got to record this shit mm-hmm. we got to record this shit and so i was like yo this is what mac dre told me to do blah 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 yeah. Low-key told Cedric that. I talked to Cedric. Cedric talked to John Botch. I talked to John Botch, and that was how we actually ended up setting it up, coming from what Mac Dre had told me. And that was the impetus for getting Exorcist done. Right. And then, boom. So let me ask you something. 567,000 copies. Yeah, that motherfucker was a, that was a, a, yeah, that was a classic. Yeah. I remember I had a blue cutlass with uh, some blue Dayton's and 10 switches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And yeah, that was Feeling real good. Oh, feeling real good. You know, (laughs) feeling real loped out. Straight up. I mean, so um, let me ask you, because on that album, and I know Lynch is your big brother, and I know whatever, and it's what I thought, but did y'all have a misunderstanding doing Exorcist um, in terms of, because I know, what was the song? Um, I Ain't Dead Yet. Ca- yeah, that, and it yeah. was like Close the Casket or something like that, where, Open the you casket. know, yeah, yeah, where I, because I know Lynch had said something like, oh, that nigga X, you know what I'm saying, but he did until he get free or something like that. Yeah. Did you did y'all have a little riff? Did you feel you know some what? In in as an adult mm-hmm. with a with a with an emotional intelligence, mm-hmm. I can tell you he he hurt my feelings. Right. It, well, let's say he hurt my feelings. Yeah. Yeah. He hurt my. I have about one feeling left. Yeah. At that point. Yeah. And Lynch hurt that thing. Yeah. And so I felt like that ex is dead. So Lynch had this concept, you know, dead man walking thing. Mm-hmm. That was a whole concept for him, right? And so I, I didn't, I don't know that, right? Mm-hmm. So all I hear is, X is dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I felt like, nigga, 
Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you talking yeah, about. Yeah. I really did. I felt yeah. I was hurt. I was harmed by that. Yeah. Like, nigga, I ain't no dead nigga. Yeah. Until I get out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I'm alive like a motherfucker, and I, and I technically would like to still beat this trial. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I did. I took offense to that. Uh, and then me take, and and honestly, like, I was, I still, I was a tripper. Mm-hmm. I was a gangbanger, yeah. bro. Everything somebody said to me needed to be qualified. Right. And so some people who didn't have access to me to understand, I, there was a reason that I was under them prisons and I, I was mm-hmm. where I was. And, mm-hmm. you know, now it's mythological stuff, but, but yeah. I was a gang banger somebody talking to me needed to be first i had to respect them mm-hmm. and secondly they need to be meaning what they were saying and it needed to be very clear i was yeah. gonna ask what you mean yeah i was like that's it was what it was what you mean by that mm-hmm. what you mean by that what you talking about even if it was something cool and i'd be like oh that's dope you know what i mean yeah. like i had to be taught that somebody had to tell me hey man when you ask people what they mean bro you freaking people out <laughs> yeah you know what i mean yeah, and i'm yeah. You know how it is. Yeah. I was I was working out for war back then. Yeah. And so I start losing weight, but specifically my attorney's like, nobody's letting this guy come home from prison. Yeah. You're not look too intimidating. Yeah, you I know yeah. this man, they don't want you to be their neighbor. Yeah. You look frightening. Yeah. Jet black yeah. hair, you got jet black face, you yeah. got big old <laughs> and like this is you gotta change. So I changed everything in the way I was approaching life so that I could modify to be able to pass that's the experience. Yeah. But prior to that, I, I'm literally designed for warfare because that's what it was when i get to this environment it's gonna be war and i was prepared for that in every way and and mentally and spiritually which doesn't prepare you for decent relations with your with your friend with civilians with civilians yeah and at at that point lynch was was a civilian to Mm -hmm. me Mm -hmm. and so lynch saying i was dead harmed me in a way that he couldn't imagine, because yeah. to him it was our artistic state. Yeah, right, right. I got you. To me, it was I'm fighting for my motherfucking fighting life. For your life. Yo, yeah, what the yeah, fuck yeah. you talking about? Yeah. You know what I mean? So I did. I took that wrong, and anything else somebody had to say yeah. wrong, and I and I always overreacted. And people people did have to be cautious with me, and yeah. then and then I got I got the streets. Mm-hmm. And so if I decide fuck with this nigga talking about anybody, mm-hmm. then that was gonna ripple down and be yeah. a problem. And my fam, my family's garden block royalty. Mm-hmm. So I was a dangerous dude to not be cool yeah. with, even if you was my partner. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I don't know. I know, I, don't, I know exactly where you was at because I knew a couple cats like that. Yeah, it was they was volatile, unpredictable. I was very you can volatile. Say, you can say some shit. I had a partner like that that did like fifteen years, and it was like I would be talking to him, and he would say hit me with the same shit. I mean, what you mean, though, cuz? I'm like, <laughs> oh, crap. nigga, I just said, I just said, man, what's up? Like, yeah. nigga, nigga, you said, what's up? Like, what's up? I'm like, dog, I was saying hello. Hello. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, cuz. Uh, was that Joe like, Pesci? Was that with Goodfellas? The, yeah. The clown to you? I was yeah, like Mouse. Clown to you? Yeah. I was like Mouse from Easy Rollins from uh, Devil in a Blue Dress. Oh, I was, yeah, yeah. I was like you. that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, when he shot the dude, and, and <laughs> Easy comes back to the car, and he's like, what the fuck you killing for? He said... That's what I do. Yeah, he like, was what like, the "Fuck you!" He was like, "I just choked him." For? Yeah, he was like, "I just choked him." <laughs> yeah, like that was yeah. all. Like that was it. Yeah, I was, I was, I really yeah. had a. Uh, there were some issues that needed to be worked out yeah. with me, but a lot of that was fostered by, you know, it, it was, it was. Uh, we don't, as gang members in, in our culture, we don't want to admit these things because you're not you're supposed to have an absence of these things. But my response to fear was insanity. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. My response to yep. it yep. was then yep. I don't give a fuck then. I'm a I'm yeah. the joker then. Yeah. I, it just 
period. If so, I'm not feeling, I'm not afraid of nothing, all that, I, yeah. I would angry at myself if I felt fear. Yeah. My response to me feeling fear was to destroy yeah. whatever, everything. Yeah. I was that's, nuts. The thing, that's the thing in the hood, bro. I tell people that all the time, dog. Like, with my environment in Kansas City, I'm from an area called the Faux Block. Mm-hmm. Which was, I'm up on the Faux Block. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Faux Block, exactly. So I grew up there, born and raised from, from KU Medical Center right there. Yeah. And I tell people all the time, when you had gangs and crack cocaine and all that shit invade the streets, right, I became a product of my environment. See, in the household, I was raised on love. I wasn't raised on survival, so right. it's different. But when I come outside... You know what I mean? When you see what it is, is I'm seeing this nigga got shot. This nigga got robbed for his starter coat. He got robbed for his Jordans. Oh, they packed him out. So now I ain't I'm, accepted I'm none fear, of that. I'm fearful, but yeah. I'm scared. Yeah. So what I do is I'm like, shit, I'm not gonna be a victim. Right. So I tool up. Give me a little 22, you know, a little 25, a little Lorson, a high point, whatever I can get. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, nah, that ain't gonna happen to me. But I'm scared. You know what I'm saying? So then what happens is when you do do something, you know what I'm saying, out of fear. Then it gets good to you. Now you start perpetuating the same thing that you were afraid of. I gave you, you become power. part of the problem. You become nice. So I gave you yeah, power. Yeah, yeah. You know yeah, what I'm saying. Yeah. And then you see how your peers they they you know they like oh shit. Yeah. He'll bang that thing. He with the shit. And Bishop on like, juice. Yeah, yeah. You know them motherfuckers is kind of back. Then they ain't trying to fuck with you. Then right. So now you just get caught up in the world with that literally. And, at the, and it starts from fear. Yeah, it starts from fear. That's what happened to me. Yeah. Same thing happened to me. Yeah, like I'm not, like go to prison and what? It's going to be <laughs> what? Like, okay, let's find out about that then. Let's yeah. go. Because I'm going. Yeah, yeah. At this point, it's like I'm coming. Yeah. And they go, oh, it's going to be like this. Is that right? So when you got there, did they try to put you in PC because of your celebrity? Initially, so there was no such thing as that when I got mm-hmm. to prison. They did, you, have, you have one protective custody unit in the state of California. It's mm-hmm. at Corcoran. That's where Charles Manson and all of them are. And it's notoriously difficult to get into that. Mm-hmm. And so you have these, we what we call soft yards. So there were soft yards with no label on them. Mm-hmm. And, it, and a lot of niggas came home from those mm-hmm. Act perpetuating like they were like if like a nigga was, was at bro, let me tell you if a nigga was at CMC and I don't give a fuck who it is mm-hmm. and some of these niggas had my name in their mouth and I took that mm-hmm. I accepted that a lot of that is let me survive parole mm-hmm. I've been on parole I'm a I, I was a lifer mm-hmm. I was in prison for gang activity I didn't go to prison because I got caught selling dope mm-hmm. I didn't go to prison because I had a pistol mm-hmm. I went to prison banging the block mm-hmm. I went to prison with a life sentence on behalf of banging the block but you got rappers who come home like oh i went to the pen i was on this yard you ain't had no life sentence mm-hmm. you wasn't you didn't go to prison banging your neighborhood why are you talking about me and what my experience is you didn't even some of these dudes didn't even go to prison to be considered celebrities mm-hmm. they put them on a the yard and consider them gang members mm-hmm. and we didn't regard to you as a celebrity and they take that as a badge of honor mm-hmm. it's like no 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 the institute the department of corrections didn't even respect your career Mm-hmm. They have no regard for you. Throw your ass right on out there, and because you go, I could do it. Yeah, because I'm. So they want to talk, man. CMC is one of the softest yards in the state of California. Period. Mm-hmm. They just didn't put a label on it. Mm-hmm. Start asking these dudes where they parole from, mm-hmm. right? Oh, I was at, you know, I was at San Quentin on mm-hmm. such and such yard. It's the softest institution in the state of California. The most technologically advanced institution and the greatest place to be if you want to get an education and go to self-help groups. And it's very hard to get there because they want to keep it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got a few of them like that. Ironwood, mm-hmm. technology, they doing coding. 
They learning the Damn. properties of they nanotech. Coding and yes, she's yeah. sponsored by Scott Bucknick, who wow. developed the, the recidiv anti-recidivism coalition, mm -hmm. and all these different things. The director of the Hangover mm -hmm. has sponsored the institution. Wow. And to do the parole from there, like, I just came off from, like, knock it off. And my choices was Pelican Bay State Prison. My choices was New Folsom. My choices was to go to Corcoran. My choices was to go level four with 100 points. Mm -hmm. These dudes gotten off the bus with 30 points. Mm -hmm. Talk about X-rated. Mm -hmm. Like, come on, man. So I did 28 years, three months, level four, you know, 180 between 180 and finally 270 design before I finally was given a level three status. And then I did level three for a year and a half and six months on the level two and came out. Wow. So mine is completely upside down. So so let me ask you this. So you did the exorcist, which was a fucking classic and commercially successful, obviously going gold. It was. Um, then you did uh, Unforgiven. Yeah. Right. So the quality changed. Yeah, it did. Yeah. So explain that. So like, we, because it sounded like you was in the fucking studio in prison. Yeah, I yeah. remember when we made Exorcist. That was yeah. the one thing I heard. Like this is lyrically, the yeah. the delivery is advanced. They call yeah. it genius level delivery in the reviews. Yeah. But I'm saying the Playboy I'm magazine. saying the, the sound quality. I know, and that yeah. was this is what I was inspired by mm -hmm. for Playboy magazine mm -hmm. writing about Exorcist. But mm -hmm. you know, it's he did it on the phone. He did it on the phone, and right. I'm I'm like okay. If I could do something with superior audio quality, now I knew that, but I was in the county jail, mm -hmm. getting that kind of access to recording equipment in the, in the county jail was going to be more difficult. Mm -hmm. But I knew that in the, in the pen, it was going to be a little different because mm -hmm. if you got some money, you could get whatever you wanted. Mm -hmm. And so I'm active still, you know, when I first, to answer your question, when I first got to reception center, me and Sebo were cellies. Mm -hmm. And so my first cellie was Big No Love from 24th Street. And then Sebo showed up. His cell was empty. I moved up there with Bo so we could write some songs. We were working. Mm -hmm. You know, Tupac had just done, he put him on All Eyes on Me. Right. So it was like, he was about to sign the Machiavelli records. Mm -hmm. So it's like, let's get it. Let's get this record. Let's get this album knocked out. Let's mm -hmm. have these records lit. Mm -hmm. And so we really were working on that. And I got all these songs and I don't know if I'm coming home or not. So I'm like giving Bo pieces of what became Unforgiven. Mm -hmm. I gave Bo Macaframalama. Wow. I handed it to him fully written out. And, yeah. And he learned it and knew it and Damn. just didn't, you know, it wasn't yeah. one of the songs that yeah. he chose. Yeah. Gave him Daily Game, gave him so me and Bo and then Bo went to the dorms and I brought in the homie Squabbler from mm -hmm. 29th Street. So that's how I started my sentence. Mm -hmm. And so when they took me to reception and they talking about these soft yards that they had, I mm -hmm. told them I'm literally on my first classification form. It says, put me with the rest of the Crips. Mm -hmm. That was my statement to them. Mm -hmm. Put This is the rest of my life. Right. It's where I'm finna be. I don't know nothing about no Folsom A yard, which mm -hmm. I never, never went to. Mm -hmm. And then going to CMC or none of that. I don't even think I was eligible for that mm -hmm. because of my points. And the way they place you is based on your the severity of your crime and your point system, mm -hmm. right? So somebody showing up with a gun case ain't yeah. going to, right. we ain't going to be on the same point system or in the same They facility. gave you first degree or second degree? I have first degree murder. Okay, all right. Second degree would probably be sentenced to 15 to life okay. at the most. You okay. know, I had a 25 to life sentence of six-year gang enhancement okay. and a life sentence. Okay. All right. So my, my choices was all level 4180 design. Mm -hmm. and, and I can only say, you know, these two areas are the, these are the places you're going to go. Mm -hmm. And they do a referral for an endorsement. Mm -hmm. So the state got to endorse you. So a calendar re a counselor recommends it. The state endorses it. And my two recommendations were Pelican State Prison and Folsom State Prison, mm -hmm. right? With the with a whole argument from the judge about why 
I needed to have consideration with where they placed me because of my legacy. And you got snipers on the roof during my trial. Mm -hmm. You have have cameras in there during my trial. You Mm -hmm. got all this going on. And so the judge is saying there should be some consideration where you place them. When they did my uh, youth offender uh, world, youth authority evaluation, which they have to do, even though I came from being juvenile court to adult court, they still had to do a youth youth authority evaluation on me and they said we this we put this person inside of this facility to do a to monitor him for his evaluation and literally disrupted everything mm-hmm. in our facility from employees to, to other people other yeah other wards yeah you have to be conscious of where you place him and how right. you place him he's going to have a significant degree of impact on your environment right so they're telling them and i'm currently the king of my county jail mm-hmm. you can do whatever i want you got one half of a building from the top to, to the bottom of it i could do anything i want in there and I probably could have recorded an album in there. It just yeah. seems like it was easy. You know, I, yeah. It didn't occur to me to try to get a right. studio in the county jail, but I probably could have. <laughs> right. I literally could have done yeah. it. Yeah. And so I, I'm leaving that like, all right, Pelican Bay and Foss. Yeah. That's what you want to do to me. Like, cool. Let's go. Which is, again, another thing that's not legal now. Mm-hmm. So you, you juvenile. You get tried as an adult, even if you got tried as an adult somehow, when they place you in prison, you have to be placed with other people who consider youth offenders. So the the doctors and the scientists and the Department of Correction and the laws have now determined the same thing, that you have to, you have to, these kids should not be thrown out there with everybody. But that's what happened with me. And so I told put me with the rest of Crips, that's where I went. So boom, I go to Folsom, I'm working on writing all of these songs, which was, you know, for me, I got to be with my big homies. Yeah. Looney from 29th Street, John Windham, who came home recently, has been a, a force for, he has soldiers with a purpose. Swap is his movement. Mm-hmm. Me going from rival neighborhoods to our own neighborhoods mm-hmm. and tripping on people. Mm-hmm. I sell no dope out here. You poison in the community. You a cancer. So, but when I got a hold of him in the beginning, when I first showed up, he gave me game. This is this is how it's gonna be. This is what you need to do. Put me in the show with the with the homie Barry from Twenty Fourth Street, the founder, one of the founders of my neighborhood as a whole. I got mm-hmm. to spend time with him before I ended up being a disruption yeah. in that environment, and they put me under the prison. Yeah. And then put me on the bus and say, you're going to go be somebody else's problem. And I don't know. I didn't intend to be a problem. Right. All I'm doing is getting off the bus and I'm boom. Mm-hmm. X-ray is here. Yeah. The, the female staff are out of pocket. Right. They all out of pocket. Yeah. yeah. How are you doing? That's happening. <laughs> they got the, the officers are, are they want to make some money. So what's yeah. up, man? You need something? Yeah. I got that going. Yeah. They got the, all the hatred that comes with that. Yeah. And you got all the love that comes with that. Mm-hmm. And it's all centers on this one person showed up. Yeah. So how about we throw, we come get him in the middle of the night, throw him in a single cell mm-hmm. in the hole and then take his ass to committee and send him somewhere else. Okay. And then, so that happened to me for a while. Mm-hmm. And so they put an order in my file that said that, uh, from institution to institu- institution communication that the safest course of action in dealing with me was to not allow me to remain anywhere longer than a year or two. Mm. And that if I did, I, I would have undue influence. Yeah. And I they accidentally, well, I think she gave it to me on purpose, but I showed up somewhere and they were giving me my property. Mm-hmm. And when they gave me the property, they gave me the memorandum and it was technically the prior institution talking to the institution, mm-hmm. receiving me, telling them that. Mm-hmm. And that was how I found out that they were telling each other Damn. that they needed to, that I had to be monitored and that That's I powerful. had to have instability, that if yeah, they gave me yeah. stability. So they're saying, even if you allow him at your 
institution, you need to move him around your yards mm-hmm. because if you leave him on one too long, he's going to he's gonna dominate it. Mm-hmm. And they're warning each other. So I end up uh, at Salinas Valley, and they left me there too long. <laughs> they left me there too long. So it was true. <laughs> it was true. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was true. Yeah. Okay. It was true, but okay. I wasn't doing that don- deliberately. Yeah. It was a fact check. It was true. <laughs> it was true. Yeah. It was true. I didn't know... I was a baby rattlesnake. I yeah. didn't know that I had influence and power. All yeah. I knew was I wanted to do what I wanted to do. Yeah. And I was operating off a of pure primal hunger. Yeah. You know, just driven by, I'm going to do what the fuck I want to do. And that yeah. just happened to be, I'm going to do some music. Mm-hmm. And so I end up with, they left me there too long. I got the radio station done. They talking about me. I'm calling in on the phone. What's mm-hmm. happening? What y'all doing? Oh, man, that's right on the phone. <laughs> and so I didn't got the radio stations, yeah. which is ironic because you got, the officers listening to the radio. The radio is on in the warden's office, and I'm on the I'm in the day room on the phone, and it's like, yeah, what in the yeah, fuck yeah. is this dude doing on the radio? Yeah. Who let that happen? It's like, what do you mean who let it happen? It's his phone time. Yeah. He signed up for it. Yeah, he just called the radio station. Yeah. And what do you what do you what can you do about that? Right, they came. I'm not breaking the law. I'm not yeah. breaking the rules. So all they could do is be mad. Yeah. So I had a lot of people angry, it's hating. They yeah, a lot mm-hmm. because it was just stuff that they you don't allow, yeah. but you can't stop. You know yeah. what I mean? And so I end up in a situation where uh, I get put in Vibe magazine. Mm-hmm. Billy Day, the same one, wrote about me and Mac Dre and <coughs> the source, wrote about wrote about me uh, after Exorcist and what mm-hmm. I would do after that. And mm-hmm. I was working on new, I was writing new music still, mm-hmm. but it was more a "What's up with X Rated" story. Mm-hmm. And so that comes through the mail in Vibe, and uh, the officer that brought me that magazine. Handed me, he said, have you read this yet? I was like, no. Nah. He said, just an article, and he had marked it for me. Mm-hmm. And so I sat down and read it, and um, he told me how to, he knew a better way that I could do my music. Damn, that's dope. And that's from an officer. An officer. Yeah. Yeah, so I end up with every piece of recording equipment. You know, I told Cedric, I gave him a letter, and, you know, he took that letter. So you actually had dats and all that shit in, in, in there? I had uh, yeah, I've had every form of recording equipment inside of an institution. They they let you have that in your cell, or you had to move around with it. So, so anywhere I went, right, in my particular section, mm-hmm. I was gonna be, I was gonna be in the top three in command of where I was from, if not in command of where I was from. Mm-hmm. So the younger it was, the more it was I ran it, mm-hmm. and the older, if I had older homies, then mm-hmm. they designated a lot to me. Mm-hmm. And then I did my thing and they chilled out a little bit. You know what I mean? So everywhere I went, I was in control of that. And then you also had where that influence, how that influenced my relationships with all the rest of the Crips. Mm-hmm. And then how that would bleed over into diplomatic relations mm-hmm. with if people was hungry. You know, if I show up, you got people been on these yards five, six years, yeah. people doing their whole lives here. Yeah. So you got what I call mm-hmm. windows open on the yard. Yeah. This person might have been over here long mm-hmm. enough to have developed a relationship with mm-hmm. this person who would bring anything, but he can't afford it. Mm-hmm. I can't. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, I got a package you need to pick up. How much does it cost for this? Yeah. What's in it? Yeah. If it's a mystery box, they got a price for a mystery box because yeah. they risking more. Yeah. If it's like, I mean, we're specifically only... I don't do narcotics, but I do technology. That right. got a price on it. Right. I'll do narcotics and technology. That got a price on right. it. Right. All these things, I got everything you. can be purchased I in that you. environment. Okay. It's its own ecosystem with its yeah. own economy and its own ramifications yeah. and its own. And so I was in position to where 
I could take advantage of that and amplify and put steroids on what anybody else had accomplished. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people would just hand things. I inherited a lot mm-hmm. because okay. I could do things that they couldn't do. They couldn't afford to do it. You so, know. so you got a whole studio in prison, basically. repeatedly. Yeah. So, how many albums did you put out? Because you put out more albums while you was locked up than people that was free. I did, and had a, long, a longer career than people yeah. who were free. How many albums did you drop when you was locked up? Oh man, I think somewhere around twelve original albums and probably five or six remix, remaster, collection right. types. So, probably somewhere around twenty something. Damn. So total. basically, an album a year, damn near. Yeah, practically. Yeah. Something like that, it averages out to. I think uh, they were separated a little, 92. So uh, we could count psychoactive, kind of. Mm-hmm. But then Exorcist, Unequivocally, Unforgiven, Nefarious, Vengeance is Mine, Initiation, City of Kings, Ignition with Low Key, uh, 3X Files, uh, Unforgiven, yeah. Volume 2, uh, In the Beginning, yeah. Remix, Remasters, Block business. I mean, it, yeah. So let me ask you this because I know Active Two signed to deal with Brian Shafton to release yeah. my last three projects. Yeah. Fark even came home, already had a deal right. with Brian Shafton. Right. So yeah. we we going to get to that. So you in, you locked up, you still active, you still evolving mentally, but you are where you are. You know right. what I mean? Environments to environment. Um, did you, I know you had funk when you was in there. I did. It was a situation, and I don't know if this is true or not, but I thought it happened. It was a minute ago. You got stabbed when you was in there. Yeah. Somebody, over some, over some. they wanted you to do their record or some shit like they that. They did. They wanted me to, this is late. This is like 2010. You uh, know what I mean? And it yeah. was just utter trash. Yeah. It's something I had no respect for. You know what I mean? What happened? What was that situation? Because I didn't know if that was a rumor. No, it wasn't a rumor. An individual uh-huh. who, so, so having this influence everywhere I've ever been, mm-hmm. right? And it, if somebody who can't fathom, the, the, now that I'm home, people say, look at his life. Like, holy mm-hmm. shit. The question is, how long have I had this? Yeah, now you can see the cars. The yeah. You can see the building. Yeah, you can yeah. see the houses and how, I, yeah. how he dressed. Like, okay, X came home having paper. Yeah. How long was that already true? Right. Right. I, wasn't in, I wasn't out running around blowing my money like right. other people right. and people who came home suffering. I came home straight right. to a condominium and foreign cars and all of that. I see you. I be right. seeing you. Yeah. So people had to acknowledge that that was, that was way before mm-hmm. I got out. Mm-hmm. That was already happening. Mm-hmm. The home I live in right now and the ones we rent out, the one I live in right now, we own that before I came home. Mm-hmm. That ain't a house I bought when I, I, I moved in a house I owned already. And so... While I'm in this environment, I'm like the most investigated dude in that environment in the history of CDCR. Like, who? Mm-hmm. There's nobody more investigated. Every little wannabe rapper want to know. You, we sitting here with you, mm-hmm. and you come from everything I came from. You a G, and you want to know, how'd you do that? Mm-hmm. So imagine my neighbor that think he could rap. Mm-hmm. How bad he want to know how I made that album. Right. And it ain't his fucking business. Right. He might not be. He might not be my race. Yeah. Which in that environment is paramount. Mm-hmm. He might not be for my specific mm-hmm. chunk. If he was, so now you're not even a keyway. Mm-hmm. And if you was, you're not even a keyway from where I'm from. So mm-hmm. this ain't your business. Still, mm-hmm. it's really not your business if you if you're not from what I represent. Right. So you got all these factors and all these people that want to know how I did it. Some people who wouldn't even speak to each other, mm-hmm. but I'm an anomaly. And they all want to, what's up, X? What's happening? But you don't even fuck with my people, right? Mm-hmm. They don't fuck with us. So I got it in my brain 
a lot of things that I got to juggle in this mm-hmm. environment and people who feel envious. Yeah. And they upset about that, like that this dude is doing all of this stuff. And so one of them persons that was investigating me like that kept asking questions. And some people I would help. Mm-hmm. If like this just a good dude mm-hmm. I've been watching. He's stand up, man. Let me give you let me give you yeah. some game. I yeah. would if yeah. I felt like it was safe to do it. Right. But in this specific instance, when we looked up the individual that was doing the investigating, we found a case where he was uh, giving up information on his loved ones, right? Mm-hmm. And so now I'm not from what they represent. Mm-hmm. I'm not a part of that group. Mm-hmm. At this point, it's I'm 20, I'm 18 years into my sentence. Mm-hmm. I'm not even really like, I'm not a banger. Mm-hmm. I'm a gang member. Mm-hmm. I'm already focused on coming home. Mm-hmm. I've already got you know, through school, I'm doing all this other shit. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't feel like this. I got to go pursue this particular issue because it ain't my business. But here go. Hey, I don't know if y'all know, but this is your homeboy. And your homeboy asking me a lot of questions about my business. You need to have a conversation with your homeboy mm-hmm. about this right here. I gave him the paperwork. Yeah. And their response to that was to, I guess they knew already or whatever, but their response to that was to tell him, hey, man, this dude, this dude just gave up your paperwork and say that you did blah, 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 blah. So he got a whole other set of circumstances he's dealing with. Right. And fuck him. You know what I mean? You yeah. ain't what you investigate my business for anyway. And now I see you telling on your own homies. This is how you got in that environment in the first place. Yeah. So I'm like, you really shouldn't be talking to me at all. It ain't nothing to talk about. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he got pumped up. They pumped him up. And so it starts circulating. This person want to do harm to you. Mm-hmm. And my psychology by then, we talking about 2010, mm-hmm. I've been X-rated in this environment, Spartan warrior. By the time these little marks mm-hmm. got some opinion of anything I'm doing, I don't, I'm not even capable of being concerned about them. So I'm like, handle your business. Mm-hmm. That was my response. Handle your business. Do what you got to do. And so when they finally built up the courage to run up, you know what I mean? They got beat up. On camera, you know what I mean? I think I saw it, but I didn't know yeah. if that was really what was what it was. You know, They got beat up on camera. Yeah, because you know he, I mean? he stuck you, but it seemed like you still gave it to him. Last man standing, see walking on yeah. the basketball court, because that's my <laughs> touch day on dance, so I had a little bit of that going on. But, you know, it, it's, just a, it's just a circumstance where you got to do what you got to yeah. do. You pull a knife on me. I'm not running. That's how you get your back toe up. It's like straight up, you got it. It's called taking a life. I'm not giving nothing. Come and get it. Let's go. And then I'm looking in his eyes. That ain't what he really wanted. He mm-hmm. wasn't built like that. Yeah. And I can see it. So I'm, you, you know, it's a part of that video where you can see me actively trying to find somebody to fight. Mm-hmm. There's a point where I done beat up two people. I'm like, what's happening? Like, I thought it was on. It's on. We in all the trouble we going to be in. Mm-hmm. We on camera. Let's it make is. it count. Yeah. Let's make it count. Make and it that's count. how I was built. And that's how I felt. And I, I technically still feel that way. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. Once it's going, down it's going down it's yep. going all the way down i'm in trouble i'm all the way in trouble then mm-hmm. this is happening i'm getting the punishment i get gonna be worth it right <laughs> we're gonna let's <laughs> right. finish what we started so that's all that was and you know want to be rappers or some of the worst people that's crazy for those of us attempting to Hell do our yeah. thing nipsey Hell was yeah. killed by an angry wannabe rapper Shit. allegedly you know all yeah. these different things and Shit, so, i gotta I, they be nipping in my heels i know they're gonna keep doing it yeah, yeah. the worst <laughs> every real rapper you ask them what's the mm-hmm. worst aspect of this business separate from money issues and they're going to tell you it's want to be rappers. Want to be rappers. The worst. Oh, shit. The man. single most dangerous thing to all of us. And so, yeah. you know, and that was their response to that. Oh, look, we got it to it. X-rated. Listen to our rap. And I'm like, there you go. Yeah. That's what they wanted. <laughs> yeah. Cloud chasers, dick suckers, and you know what I mean? And, yeah. And rap bastards. Yeah. And so I felt like anybody quoting anything they had to say, that's your source material then, that, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I said it on telephone game. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? <laughs> so you in here, you handling your business. So did you, let me ask you this. Did you ever think you was going to get out? I did. 
there came a point, so I was watching Miller versus Alabama, mm-hmm. and uh, this is years later, and now by then I'm validated. I'm a high notoriety PUB case, a public interest case. I'm celebrity status, so you got New York Times and came up in this space, the LA Times, the Playboy magazine, the Double XL, <clears throat> the, the Source magazine, the Bay Guardian, the San Francisco Chronicle, the Sacramento Bee. Mm-hmm. All of this has happened. MTV coming into the facility, Fox News coming into the facility to interview me with, like this, cameras lit up. <laughs> yeah. And you're in the population having to watch that, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of what was going on in my life was difficult for people to tolerate, yeah. but whatever. So they validate me. They give me celebrity status, high notoriety, PUB, all these different things that happened. I got that letter from Tukey that kind of impacted my gang classification and then the letters that I was getting from Sanyika mm-hmm. so that it technically I ended up doing a total of seven years in a dungeon mm-hmm. before I finally accepted. Like, oh, I'm, I'm not out here trying to hurt nobody and right. I'm not trying to cause no problems. I just want to do my time. You know right. what I mean? So I was able to get that status and just do my time. Yeah. And so, like, I think of African-Americans, only three of us ever with my particular classification was just me, Tukey, and uh, and Monster Cody. Mm-hmm. In the history of CDCR, and everyone else with that particular classification were Panthers and people that they just threw in a dungeon and never yeah. let out. Yeah. And, then, and they didn't have the celebrity part of the classification they just had the high notoriety or the public interest case part of it mm-hmm. uh, or actually just the high notoriety and a validation so yeah. i had a high notoriety a validation and a public public interest case designation mm-hmm. and me and tuki and san Yuka are the only three african-americans to ever have that classification so you figure you kept the faith that you was coming home so when i you- don't know about it I, I fostered the faith that i was coming home okay. it was a fostered Mm-hmm. faith did your family uh stand with you did they did they support you through that i feel like they did the best they could you mm-hmm. know i went through a metamorphosis from yeah. being this wild and mm-hmm. dangerous and angry human to somebody who developed into a thoughtful person right. a person that right. was more uh of an empath i started understanding how to have empathy for other people yeah be conscious of what their causative factors were. Yeah, yeah, so exactly. later on, I became a more tolerable spirit to, yeah. to encounter. And I did that on purpose. There was this yeah. point where I became conscious that this animal I had created for my survival uh, was was inappropriate for my family interactions. Mm-hmm. I would call home, mm-hmm. and I got a, and some of this is bleeding into that. Yeah. And then I would go back to the yard, and it's like, you know, so I felt like, Everybody had to meet the same dude. Yeah. I had to marry my psychologies. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be X-rated or whatever they perceive X-rated to be. They gonna they meet him. They're going to meet Honoré. It's all the same. Exactly. And exactly. I flipped that switch. Mm-hmm. I understood there need to be a yeah. difference. This character, yeah. this effort that yeah, I'm yeah. putting into this, it's realer. This is doper anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love who I am. And they're yeah. going to meet me. And so I started making my mama's son walk that yard that last eight years of my time, last nine yeah. years, everybody met me, met Jazz Brown's son. Yeah. I had you to know? do the same thing, bro. Like, you know, as we grow and as we evolve, like people would tell me as I got older, you know, because um, sometimes even he said it just recently, sometimes I can appear to be unapproachable. You know what I'm saying? I don't mean to be, but, you know, sometimes it's just that, right? But, I think that's unfair. <laughs> you know, hey, I know where it comes from. Yeah, yeah, you know what unfair. I'm saying. It is unfair. I hate that. It is unfair. It happens to me a lot. It is unfair, right? And I don't even mean, you know what I'm saying. But people now, 
that I have evolved in my mind. So if my mind is different, my energy, my spirit's different. You right. know what I mean? And people will say, you know, you're so nice. You know what I mean? And I, I take it as a compliment. I'm highly proud of that. But I always say, you know, but people be like, but man, people say this about you or I heard this about you. And I yeah. say, I am nice, but I'm nice. You're not my enemy. Right. You know what I mean? So there's no yeah. reason for you to see that other you know, side. Yeah. That Even at my craziest, you. I was never a threat to a civilian. Right, right. And I was raised never. like that. And that's the I think that's the defining difference between this generation and our generation because we didn't put our gun on civilians. Yeah. And you know what I'm saying? Yeah. If you're gonna rob somebody, you're gonna rob somebody in the game. You know what I'm saying? If you're yeah. gonna do something to somebody, it's somebody that's in the same bullshit you in. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're not gonna go rob the We probably was dumb enough to rob a civilian, but we wouldn't hurt them. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. They might have had to come up off some items. I never but it's like they was did. gonna make it. We were yeah. stupid. Yeah. It was real in the South Side. Yeah. And see, in the city as a whole, it was wild in Sacramento. Like, yeah. like what you doing with that? You gotta come up <laughs> off of that. Like, that's my gonna make it home though. You know what I mean? No intent at all. It's like they don't know it, but like there's no one here that wants to hurt. Right, right, right. You You know what I mean? They don't know it, but they don't know it. But we do. Like we just want to stuff. You straight though, you're gonna make it out of this. So let me ask you, bro, because I mean you've been through a lot of times in the black community, we don't address mental, the mental PTSD like a motherfucker. Yeah. So did you did you have did you do that work yourself or did you have to go see somebody? Did you finally sit down and talk to somebody and they walk you through it? to be able to get to where you are now or yeah. just this just soul searching and understanding what's going on with yeah. you figuring you out. I started studying psychology in that environment, like literally. And then uh, I got my degree in personal psychological development. Mm. And so while I was doing that, these teachers, first it started with counselors. Mm-hmm. It's like, you have to go do this. My big homie Dooney of all people is the one who told me I had to go do self-help groups mm-hmm. because I, if, for when these laws changed, because he knew they were, he felt they were going to change, mm-hmm. and he was at Quentin at the heart of it, mm-hmm. and so he's like, "You, you have to do these self help groups." So I started doing anger management and all that, and those programs were ran by licensed psychologists and, mm-hmm. and clinicians, and I would get in there, and they would be like, "This fucking dude is." Yeah. Like, what's up with this dude? Yeah. Where'd you learn this stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Reading. Yeah. And then they'd be like, this class, they keep me mm-hmm. after class. People would leave. Mm-hmm. And the doctor would say, I haven't had this kind of engagement in this program yeah. for 10 years. Yeah. You just walked in here and everybody wants to be in this class now. I got a lump. My list is around the corner. Mm-hmm. Like, I would really like if you continue to participate. So it was a lot of people advocating. Once I started participating in decent things, mm-hmm the power that came to support that Mm -hmm. was significant. Mm -hmm. It was really significant and largely female. Mm -hmm. And so I had a lot of really proud, older minority women Mm -hmm. who said, see, Mm -hmm. he, you know, they aren't all trash. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like a social worker who's been doing this and every day is just the same. And they're trying to say, and then something else shows up and they just like, I told you, Mm -hmm. They're not all. They're not all yeah. trash. And yeah. then I'm. I'm like shit. I ain't the only one. No, real. You talk. know what I mean? I can. <clears throat> real I talk. Can, and so I'm bringing people who would never go to these yeah. programs into those programs. And I didn't even know I had that influence until I understood what they were saying. But I went to this one group and I didn't care for it. And I was at that time I didn't have finesse, mm-hmm. so I just left. And when I left, I took eighty percent of the class with me inadvertently. I just left. Mm-hmm. And so they came to my door and was like. Okay, are you willing to come back if we're willing to do the modifications that you're requesting? Mm-hmm. And I was like, Damn. yeah, why do you ask that though? What? And they told me, we we have lost 80% of our class by you walking out of that room. Wow. These people, the young men, 
that followed you in or or engaged because you walked in, walked out when you walked out and never came back. Wow. And I was like, they, you know, they had certain yeah. aspects focused on religion too heavily instead yeah. of my, my perspective was this, you can develop spirituality, but this is a psychological issue, but also positive, re, positively reinforced by mm -hmm. this is how you get out of prison. Right. So they want this sincere ass, fuck all that. Yeah. We want them to be sincere, but the way you get them to, to sincerity is by positively reinforcing what's going to make them want to be right. present. And that's right. a desire to go home. Right. So how do we address the issues plainly? Without no games, like the parole board requires you to do this this way. Right. Like, let's get to it. And when they finally let me do that, people started showing up. Mm -hmm. And then through the course of time, they started sincerely doing it. Mm -hmm. And they saw that it would, would you know, some, they had yeah. the cart before the horse. Yeah. I'm like, this environment ain't motivated by this bullshit. They, right. So God forgive me, but they ain't motivated by religion. Right. They're not motivated by spirituality. Yeah. They're motivated by, I want to get the fuck out of here. Right. And use that motivation to say, this is going to require some degree of sincerity because these people have heard all the bullshit. Mm -hmm. So you go in the parole board and you think you're going to get game your way through that. You're going to have a negative experience because they didn't hurt it all. They got more game than all of us. I'm like, they have heard it all, all the bullshit. So so you locked up and you on what you rolling up on damn near 30 years. So when did it you start seeing that light come through that you may get? Did you know that you were going to get paroled or was it just another? I hope uh, you know what I'm saying? I hope and a prayer. It was everybody telling me like. You got action. You're going mm -hmm. this if this law changes. So okay. this we're watching that law. And then in 2012, uh, mm -hmm. well, the ruling in Miller versus Alabama was, I mean, this is USA Today fucking mm -hmm. front page news shit, mm -hmm. the Supreme Court ruling. And then that trickled down to the states. And then uh, mm -hmm. Governor uh, Brown was elected. And then he had specific policies that he wanted to implement. And so he's these things made it to... Uh, the Senate and they altered Senate Bill 260. Mm -hmm. uh, Lonnie Can Hancock, Senator Lonnie Hancock, uh, Senator Harris, mm -hmm. now our vice president. Mm -hmm. uh, these people altered something stating that unequivocally due to the development of the brain advances in neuroscience has been determined that the age of maturity in a human being is 25 and therefore mm -hmm. any crime committed prior to that by a juvenile uh, should they should not be considered unredeemable. They mm -hmm. should have a realistic opportunity for parole if they could demonstrate that they don't pose an unreasonable risk of violent recidivism right. in the community. And so when that happened in, in 2012, mm -hmm. One of my artists was with me in that environment. He came to the door like fucking Moses off the mountain. Mm -hmm. His hairs blew out his fucking skin, his bronze. He's standing there like, he looked like Doc from Back to the Future. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was like, bro, you got to read this. Uh -huh. I'm like, what are you getting? He's like, man, you going home. He fucking starts crying and shit. Like, got off the door. He couldn't mm -hmm. even stand there and look at me. Damn. He's like, you going home, bro. I'm telling you. And this is the person got block star tatted on his neck and <laughs> when he walked to the door. Yeah. Doe goes, I told him, I'm, I got a life sentence. Told him, I'm going to go home and I'm going to build all this. I'm going to sign you. I got you. Mm -hmm. For everything you've done, I'm going to have your back. When wow. I home. You believed me with a life sentence. Yeah. And now he's in my building right now waiting for me. He to had a life sentence plan. too? He did not. He had a 12-year okay. sentence okay. on a robbery and, you know, was a beast. So he got mm -hmm. in trouble in his points. He had like 300 and something points mm -hmm. by the time I met him. Wow. He's a complete fuck up. Yeah. And I, and I stopped 
dropped him in his tracks. Yeah. I taught him you're I I'm very similar to you. I grew up just like you and you're an idiot. And I need you to wake up. It was <laughs> New shit. Year's was coming. I real I been yeah. brothered him. I taught yeah. him, yo, knew you what well, you know what your New Year's resolution is. He was like, What? I said, Grow up. Wow. Grow up. Yeah. Yo fucking 2011 New Year's resolution is to grow the fuck up. Just decide it. That's real you're a, shit. You're a man. You have a man's body. You have a man's brain. All this shit now is a decision. Mm. You decide to grow up this year. Do it. Period. Everything, your body's waiting for you. Your family, everybody waiting for you to decide you grow up. That's real shit right there. And he, and he wrote that shit down and fucking did it. That nigga wrote down, grow up. He wrote down, up. decide to grow up. <laughs> and then grew up that year. Yeah. Flawless performance. Damn. And for that reason, he at the building right now. That's real shit. So you do another eight years. I do another eight years. So I, I went and got on the phone, told my people, yo, look this up for me. Because mm-hmm. there was some skepticism. Like, look this up for me. That conversation progresses and the excitement builds as mm-hmm. this is being read back to me. And then, then I get hung up on, like, I'm getting you know, mm-hmm. hung up on me. Calls the attorney. The attorney tells her, uh, I'll have him out in three years. He'll be home in three years. Mm-hmm. And it took five. From that moment, it took five, six years. Wow. Took six more years. So did that did they was that that's not a compassionate release that they let you out? That is not. Okay. I was I was through the I went to Commissioner Roberts and Deputy Commissioner Fleming, mm-hmm. uh, to the 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 governor, mm-hmm. the, the lieutenant mm-hmm. governor to the governor mm-hmm. to my house. Okay. Boom, 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 boom. I had to get past them. Yeah. To go Damn. home. So what That's was what that feeling? Ain't no game. When they saw that, when they came and told you you was going home, what was that feeling like? Did you break down? Was it emotional, or you was like, nah, I knew it was coming. I knew, I knew that one was coming because I went, I went one and a half times before they let me go. Mm-hmm. So the first time I went, we, I had the one of the longest deliberations ever. They deliberated for seven hours the first time I went to board, mm-hmm. and I got homies who's been to board ten times and still in prison. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, Manson went, I don't know how many times Charles Manson mm-hmm. went and just died in prison. They never right. let him go. And so I went well, my first time and had a seven-hour deliberation. I remember something along, mm-hmm. along those lines of seven-hour experience total. And my lawyer, during that deliberation, going from, I don't know, to this is taking a long time, to who's picking you up. Mm-hmm. You got your clothes, like, you know, to ah, this is taking too long. So... They're going to bring you back and they're preparing a victim. And then we walk in and that's what it was. You know, mm-hmm. they were they were aware that that I was done, mm-hmm. but that people weren't prepared for it yet. Mm-hmm. So they like, if he keeps doing what he's doing, we all should prepare ourselves for mm-hmm. the inevitable reality that he's going to go home. Right. And so that kind of was him preparing yeah. the family, yeah. different people for embrace this reality. And then tells mm-hmm. me to go back to the yard and stay out of trouble. Yeah. And my lawyer kicks me when he says that, because at this point I've mentored probably 40 people that have been mm-hmm. before the board. They're showing up saying, I, mm-hmm. who, who helps you prepare this? Honoré Brown's my sponsor. It, the rapper X rated the rapper X right. Yeah. So by the time I walk in there, they've seen me preparing people, yeah. other people. I've yeah. had people go home before yeah, me, before you, who I had prepared for yeah. for parole with relapse yeah. prevention plans yeah. from these groups that we were sponsoring. And so I, I did have that to my advantage. But my lawyer kicked me because we know when they send you back to the yard, it's go get your GED, mm-hmm. go get a degree, go get a vocation. They didn't go stay. I could stay out of trouble in my living room. You know yeah, what I mean? You could right. let me go home. You want me to stay out of trouble. Right, right. But so he's like, for them to ask you to go back to yeah. basically do nothing 
for 18 months means yeah. that you're leaving here in 18 months. Let me ask That's you, what you, you said something interesting, and um, I hope I'm not overstepping uh, with this question. Like you said, you brought up the the victim's family. Mm-hmm. Have you ever had spoke to them or, you know what I mean, had any uh, dealings with them? You know what I mean? Some peripheral dealings and, and some stuff I wasn't just legally allowed to do, right? But in that instance, I was able to communicate and express myself to them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I waited a long time and probably came to this understanding mentally of why that was necessary as a human being, human, human behavior. Mm-hmm. So I was able to do that in that experience. And then when they brought me back in 18 months, I was able to do that again. But other than that, I don't have a I'm not legally permitted to oh, do that. OK, OK, be a, I see. Yeah, I would be committing a crime to even oh, okay. try to do that. OK, OK, I didn't yeah. Know that. OK, yeah. So. Man, they come get you. They say, Honore, you going home. You know? Yeah, well, they they say we have a you have we have granted you uh-huh. a, a parole release, yeah. right? And now it has to go to the it goes up now. So mm-hmm. it's lieutenant governor and governor. They have to sign off on that because mm-hmm. of my particular you got life mm-hmm. and your gang enhancement, all this. So this mm-hmm. has to be signed off by the governor. Right. They have to approve it. And so I went back mm-hmm. and I'm in a approval process from yeah. May to September. Okay. So when September, so when September comes, they call your number and you, you know, you know, you walking out them gates. Yeah. In September, they called me to the counselor's office, which, and they sent me to grief counselor Mm -hmm. office too. So we all know that's the grief counselor building. Mm -hmm. So if they call you over there, somebody died or something. Mm -hmm. So I'm worried about my mom. I'm not even Mm -hmm. thinking about parole at this Mm -hmm. point. I'm like, man, because I thought my paper was just going to come in the mail or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so I went over there and then he was like, man, anybody told you yet? Which made my stomach drop because yeah, like, I yeah. had managed to do all this time and only lost one of my elders. And we kind of yeah. knew she was going to pass. She had MS. Yeah. So I was really conscious that yeah. I didn't want to lose my elders. I seen my friends lose their mom, dad, mm-hmm. grandmothers, everybody while they were mm-hmm. gone. And so I'm like, told me what? And he was like, you're going home. I was like, what? He said, I said, when? He said, Friday. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I, I was like, nobody told me shit. Yeah. He's like, we haven't filled out none of the paperwork, nothing. Yeah. They just told me, you, you leaving. They know what they was doing. You yeah. know what I mean? It, so I was, because I was high notoriety, PUB, celebrity status, mm-hmm. and validated, they had me on high power transport. So anytime, mm-hmm. if I had a bad tooth and I had to go, I had to go like Hannibal Lecter. Yeah. Right? Something else that. None of these other rappers, you know what I mean? Nobody mm-hmm. gave a fuck. They put them in a mm-hmm. van and take them to the doctor. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I had to be moved with armed guards. They moved me like that. Mm-hmm. And so they kept that to themselves to the last minute. So like, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to ambush you on my way home, right? This is right. the dumbest shit. Right. I want to, I'm going to send a team, seal team <laughs> six to come and break me out <laughs> of being let out. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. the dumbest shit ever, but that's what they did. They did all of this subterfuge. They were like the 49ers leading up to the draft. And no one's going to know who we're really picking. Nobody. No one's knowing if we're letting him go what day. Yeah. Like that's how they were doing me. And so he tells me and I get, we scramble and get all our shit together. And then uh, they, I was with Lyle and Eric Menendez. We were together. Mm-hmm who they were significantly instrumental in like getting me ready and teaching me about stocks and real estate. And, you know, that's, that's who, that's who kind of had first embraced me. The Menendez brothers. The Menendez brothers wow. were, were, were supremely involved in my advancement as a human being Wow! because it had to be somebody I respected. Yeah. And so I respected their intelligence and I respected their economic status. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't, you know, they didn't even, wasn't pretending to be gangster. You right. know what I mean? Right. So that I didn't have to worry about that part. But Menendez was one of the first people that told me I was full of shit before my whole life, really. Really? Yeah. 
He told me I was full of shit. Why he tell you that? Because I was outside in the packet gang members. I was working out, and I came in, and he asked me, he was like, play chess with me. And so I was playing chess with him, and he told me, he said, I saw you outside, and I couldn't help but think. He said, all due respect, that you're just full of shit. <laughs> he's like, you're nothing. He's like, you're blending in. Yeah. He's like, you're a sore thumb. You're the only one. If you are serious, you think that's what's up. You're, you're, you're the only one that thinks that. Wow. It's everybody around you is hyper aware. You're standing there. You're the only one not paying attention to how you're impacting your environment. It's like, so you're either full of shit and pretending that that's normal or you're oblivious. And I was oblivious. Mm-hmm. I, what was your response to him saying that? I laughed. Uh-huh. I laughed. Did you understand what he was saying? I did. Okay. And I also knew it was true. Yeah. I was under, I was oblivious and I was full of shit. Damn. Yeah, that was both of those things. Mm. I'm already in MTV interviewing me on the yard, coming yeah. with cameras. All that shit is occurring. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm on the front of the newspaper. I'm in the magazines. I'm like I'm a rapper. Yeah, a fucking rapper. I saw a hundred thousand copies of Vengeance is Mine the first week. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, Vengeance so, is Mine is already out. It's like, come on, bro. Yeah. So he mentored you in a sense. He mentored me in the truest sense of the word wow. mentor. Wow. La Menendez, and he gave me his brother. So I transferred to a facility where Eric was, and I showed up, and he came to me and said, my brother loves you, I love you too. Damn. And showed me a letter where he was like, hey, Eric's is coming, blah, 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 and he gets there. Wow. Act That's like crazy. I showed up. And so he did. Mm-hmm. And, they, and these are two people who had the yeah. I mean, if they were somewhere, they were at the top of the population wow. in terms of power and influence, for sure. And they handed me that. Mm. So I, they were the ones who kind of transitioned me from showing up and I don't give a fuck what a cop think about me. I'm a gang member. Mm-hmm. Like, what the fuck are I want the cop to carry who the fuck I am for? You know what I mean? To the warden, the it matters. Your relationship with the warden matters. You fucking X-rated. Like, get the fuck out of here. I got X-rated here with me. You got to help me. I want a fucking program on this yard. Mm-hmm. I've been trying to get for weeks. I can't get the African-Americans to participate. You're about to come and join this fucking program, mm-hmm. period. And I'm going to put all this shit in your file. They were the first ones. We'll clean your fucking file out. Put this good stuff on top of all your bullshit you were doing forever. And I'll get you the fuck out of here. So they were actively, it was a project for them. Wow. I was like Project Menendez. And they just and they yeah. just did that. I mean, they didn't have no dog in the fight. They just seen something in you and just. They had a dog. I, I, was, I was the dog in the fight. They're my boys, man. Yeah. I'm saying, but I'm saying you getting out or staying there, it really, it, it had no bearing on them. It did have bearing on them. How so? Well, because the, the law, the same law that got me out, it will impact them as well. That ah, same okay. ruling. They were, they were oh, young, right? Okay. They were young. Ah, okay. But the, the, but the 260 doesn't apply to people that have LWOPs yet. Mm-hmm. And so, and it's a travesty of justice. It should. And the whole fucking point of the law, the original conversation was the fact that these people were uh, uh, discussing LWOPs and capital punishment and cruel and unusual punishment. Mm-hmm. But those of us right under them are the ones who reap the benefit. Ah, so I benefited okay. from a law that originated from a discussion about cases like theirs. Oh, Okay. And so I'm kind of the poster boy for it, and, and my success and me doing well mm-hmm. strengthens the argument that they'll do well. Them dudes ain't gonna never hurt nobody, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, they wasn't they come home with, but yeah, was or you think they coming home? I think that I do. I think it's gonna be a while. I think mm-hmm. there's still some work to do for laws to change, but the 
if there's anybody who should not be there anymore, it, it's it's Eric and Lyle, man. Wow. They've done a lot. How, how a lot old of were people. they when they did that alleged crime? Um, I believe one of them was 20. One of them was probably 22, and one of them's like 19 or something okay, like that. How old are they Like now? 19 and 23. They're, how old are they now? They're, they're well. It's one of them. One of them. Just turned fifty. Uh-huh. Remember what we called for his birthday, and then uh, the other one is just under that. So it's like, yeah, you still in contact with him? Of course. Okay. Yeah, that's dope. That's dope. Yeah, so, take his daughter to dinner. Yeah. You know, she's, okay. My whole team takes okay. care of her. She's supported. And, that's dope. That's dope. So no. you get out. You're doing well. You know, you got Blockstar, you got your compound, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, you taking over Vegas, you planted your your, your flag. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> um. So what's the next chapter for X-Rated? The no, let me chapter. ask you this. I'm sorry, before we do that. When you got out, what, was it an adjustment? What was the biggest adjustment? Because now you got social media, you got smartphones, you got all this shit. What was the biggest? Did you feel I like had all that shit in the pen? Okay, like you know what I mean. Like okay. when phones came out, I had one in my cell. Like I put albums out. Okay, like, right, you know right, what right. I mean, phone right. came out, two way pager came out, right. all that. Shit. I had all that. Shit. <laughs> Any new fucking thing that came new. So you basically didn't. You just wasn't on the street. You didn't yeah, I was. Shit. Yeah. I, I'm like the, my brothers call me Marty McFly. Yeah. They like this nigga's back to the future, you know yeah, what I mean? So yeah. for me, I want yeah, I want all of the technology. Yeah, okay, shit. I want okay. that. So for me showing up free in 2018, yeah. it was like, fuck yeah, this is dope. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Okay, so you was just okay, so Most you didn't miss issue. shit, you was just locked up. Yeah, I ain't missed yeah. much of nothing, okay. man. I okay. was engaged in almost everything. Uh, okay. So the stuff I did miss was related to so certain a- aspects of socialization. Yeah, right. That right. you just cannot prepare for it because you're not, you know, I wasn't socializing with mm-hmm. civilians. Right. Even though I'm socializing with with convicts and, and criminals who desire mm-hmm. to be civilians, right. they still they're learning and protecting. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you don't know that until you get into right. natural socialized right. circumstances that you were in an unnatural uh, unnatural right. socializing social situation. I okay. didn't realize that. Okay, You know what I mean? So it, it was drastically different being home and dealing with people and proximity, how people inter- interpret space. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I need my certain amount yeah. of feet. I'm or still like, like that too. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. and I ain't never done time like that, but I don't know. I think that's a hood thing. It is like a some, hood thing. Some, especially different cultures, they don't understand private space and that, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, little I, nuances. I even some of ours. Yeah. <laughs> and the difficulties, you know, every yeah. now and then I feel blessed and I, yeah. be, I believe in the concept of purification of wealth. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just mm-hmm. believe that. And so I'll be like, hey, you know, can I can I buy lunch for y'all, you know, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. drop some money on the table and tell them, man, have a meal, man, that's beautiful. You took your kid out to dinner mm-hmm. here, here, yeah. and I'll pay for that and leave. Yeah. You know, I do it on my way out yeah, so that, beautiful. you know, you get yeah. these people, and they'll ask, what's your name? I wouldn't even say I'm X-rated, I'm a rapper. I'll mm-hmm. tell them, my mama named me Honoré, it's nice yeah. to meet you. I'm gone. It wasn't about, I don't need yeah. them to follow nothing. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? Right, right, right. It wasn't for that. And so I would do that, and... And it, I noticed the difficulty it was. People struggled with the concept of kindness out here. Yeah. And now you got to think, I'm I'm in a world where they're fixated on, are you coming home to hurt people? Yeah. I'm like, no, yeah. I'm, I'm going to show love to people. I'm going to treat yeah. people well. Like, that's what I'm going to do. I don't know that I got to be technically better. Mm-hmm. I got to come yeah. home and behave better than yeah. an average person who's never 
harm society that right. has a, something they got to f- live up to or yeah. fix yeah. or some some motivating factor for right. them to do better. So yeah. I'm coming home realizing like these motherfuckers that built me into a bionic man of psychology, sociology, mm-hmm. philosophy, all these different things and how I have to interact just mm-hmm. to come discover that people fucked up out here. <laughs> like they the ones that need the yeah. motherfucking y'all need <laughs> yeah. conflict resolution, nonviolent yeah. communication, yeah. Uh, yeah. parenting programs, yeah. Abraham Oslo. Yeah. They need that shit. Yeah. And in this last year it's been more apparent. You know what I mean? It's yeah, how, man. How we treat each other and how we handle each other. Yep. That's just wild. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. That's fuck. I mean, and my, like when it when it first hit in March the COVID thing, and people in the store fighting and fighting over toilet paper. It like, was ill. Yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. Well, and that ain't happening uh, just in, for society, for everyone in society globally. Yeah, in a hundred years. So yeah, just watching it was like, man, we were sa- like savages. It people. was like the zombie apocalypse. It really like was. they were coming. They're marching from another city, yeah. and it'll yeah. be yeah. here in a second. It just yeah. was COVID. It really was. Yeah. And I'm like struggling <laughs> with. I don't even know that I give a fuck. Like I, we got to deal with this shit. It's yeah. gonna be with us. Yeah. You know, I'm telling my people like we got to deal with this. Whatever this is, fuck that. What yeah. are we gonna do? Like yeah. this, is what I believe we need to be doing. Yeah, not just. Yeah. We just gonna experience it, and that, that like that shit is an action. Experience requires yeah. action. Hell yeah! Hell and yeah. so I, I really encounter COVID with a significant degree of indifference to it, uh, in terms of what it meant economically or all of that. To me, it meant smash. Mm-hmm. We're all right. You got the mask. Y'all do what you got to do, and or everybody's worried about toilet paper. I was like, I'm getting a building. Yeah, mm. <laughs> no, no. let's talk, let's talk about the let's talk moves. about the building, bro. Yeah. So you get out of prison, you you got you stand block star in Vegas, you get a compound. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, so what 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 was the motivating factor behind that? Like, what made you say, you know what, I'm gonna start an entertainment company. We gonna get it. We ain't gonna do just some little basic shit. We gonna do it. Like, what was your motivation with that? My I was motivated by the fact that when I was a kid making music, I had nowhere to go. And I had nowhere to remain. Mm-hmm. And I felt like that was a contributing factor. And, you know, I did my 12 steps and all of that. And you do your step four and your mm-hmm. step. And this stuff was revealing to me that mm-hmm. a lot of the contributing factors to my things that went wrong were a lack of environmental protection. Yeah. I didn't right. have places to go to be right, safe. Right, right, right. And right. where I didn't have to be pretending to be this guy and to yeah. the point where I believe I'm this motherfucker yeah. now. I'm the right. Terminator. I believe it. It's all bullshit, right? Mm-hmm. So I had to understand that if, I, if, if I'm going to do this, I got to give the culture a home in this particular location and I got to give these people mm-hmm. that I'm about to invest in mm-hmm. and build their valuation as individual micro businesses. Mm-hmm. I had to give them a home. So when you come to do this, you do not have to, to return to that other energy unless mm-hmm. you you a visitor when you do that. Mm-hmm. And that's been said to me now. When they go home, to they're like, that ain't home no more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They walking around where they from ready like, I got to get the fuck out of big bro. I need a ticket. Hell yeah. Yeah. Right back. I hate yeah. it. They I, share their location. When I go, when I go to Kansas that. City, I'm in and out, bro. Yeah. I'm in and out. You know, I tell people all the time, man, like you, I mean, Boosie said it, you know, back where you from, you got, when you get some success, man, you got to get out of there, bro, because yep. they hypnotized with hate. You know what I'm yep, saying? Because yep. you got people that started from where you started from, you know, and they feel some kind of way. Yeah. You know, it's different. Who you Courtney know. think he is? Yeah, real talk. Fuck he think I get he that is. all the That's time. just Courtney. Yeah. Like, what you mean? That's big court. Yeah. yeah you gonna yeah. respect that. <laughs> Somewhere else, they like yeah. big court exactly. at home. They like who he think exactly. he is. Oh, come on, man. You already know. Your, yeah. Most of your hate comes from where you're from. Like, yeah. me and P, we travel the whole United States and even the world. No problem. We never have no problem. But 
What do you think the irony is that when we go to New Orleans, we have our bodyguards, we have police escorts. It's like the fucking president. Yeah. That's where the biggest threat comes from. And it's also y'all don't have to fuck nobody up. Right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You got all yeah. the security to protect yeah. them from yeah. y'all. Yeah. Because <laughs> if I do something, which, you know, I I have, you know what I mean? Right. And it always comes back to even if it was me, it goes to P. Yeah. You know what I'm it's saying? It's bad press. It's bad press. It's like, but the biggest threat comes from the home soil. You know what I mean? And that that's pretty much everybody that I know that has attain the level of success yeah. of course you got people that love you and you got respect but it's like the the hate is a little more vitriol it's a little more you know what i mean yeah uh personal I it's very say. much more personal yeah because they think they know you yeah and they think they know who and what you are exactly. and then they think that what other people perceive mm-hmm. you to be is not real right right and right. they're what it the the truth is the mm-hmm. reverse yeah that and then it's the a way thing these other people perceive it's a thing you. of entitlement too because then they feel like it's like i hate him why he from you? here? Why he ain't doing this? You know why that, he ain't doing this for me or for us? You know it's part, a thing of entitlement too. That part, or or they think it's supposed to be them. Yeah, real it ain't talk. even supposed to be him. Yeah, yeah. I can't tell you how many times I hear that. My city a very you know volatility is yeah, a real thing yeah, in Sacramento yeah. right now, and you got certain people that's doing their shit. Yeah, and and some people sincerely believe like, why is it that person? Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, nigga, am I the only one who getting a bar this work ethic? Right. I don't give a fuck what color they rag is, yeah. like, or what section of the town they yeah. from. Am I the only one appreciating that this motherfucking work ethic and is amazing? I'm glad amazing. you said that because I was going to ask amazing. you about that. So now you come home, you the OG, you the elder statesman now of your city. You know what I mean? You put it down for the city, but now it's it's, it's new. It's new youngins that's mm-hmm. doing their thing. Yeah. Some of them from the other side. Yeah. You know what I mean? What, what, you know, where do you fit in the politics of all that with Mozzie and, you know, some of these other guys, and primarily Mozzie, because he's a red rag. We know that. You know what I mean? And I know he had words with it was Lynch, you know, and you know what I'm saying? So, like, where do you fit in all of that? Man, that's some deep ass shit. Like, first of all, the first thing we got to say is you got to salute the young man mm-hmm. for his grind. You know what I mean? The brother's mm-hmm. work ethic is is probably unparalleled. Mm hmm. If you if you, it's only a couple people you could say from where we from that have yeah. worked that hard. Mm-hmm. He got and a new I, song daily. Like I feel like I see a new song every day. You know, and salute all that. Yeah, yeah I feel like that's required. And mm-hmm. he did that while I was gone. You know, free mm-hmm. X Friday. He didn't have to be thinking about me. Mm-hmm. And so that say something about his spirit. And you know, we we both love Cedric Singleton mm-hmm. or feel I can't say what he love and don't love, but I feel like we both have a significant degree of favoritism mm-hmm. toward Cedric Singleton. Mm-hmm. And Cedric Singleton loves the both of us. Mm-hmm. I can say that mm-hmm. for sure. And so it would it would harm his spirit for me to have something negative to say mm-hmm. about Mozzie. If I'm like, fuck Mozzie, I would get... And at the end Cedric of the day, why be, would you? Why it would bother us. I'm talking about it would hurt him yeah. if I did that. Yeah. And it's a person who, when it's, hey man, this forensic scientist wants $15,000 to do this mm-hmm. so I can have my own independent paperwork when I go do this psychopathy examination. Mm-hmm. It, I, I didn't call the homies, mm-hmm. right? It was, it was, it was mama and, and Cedric, mm-hmm. right? Right. Oh, that's done. Mm-hmm. Paid. Yeah. That was done. Mm-hmm. Hey man, it costs this much for this lawyer. I got 90% of it on my own. I need this much. That was done. It wasn't even a, it wasn't even an argument. It wasn't a, mm-hmm. it wasn't a demand. It was, this is what's going on right now. What that cost? This is how much it costs. Yeah. We, give me, I'll be back at you Tuesday. Mm-hmm. That was done on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. 
right? Cedric, Cedric, that person, that same person, would be opposed to me saying, fuck Mozzie, bro. Yeah. That would bother him. And I don't give a fuck who don't like that. You understand? And so when it come down to principles and morals and shit like that, you got some people who want me to stand on tenants based on hood shit. But I can get to call them and say these things. I had to call Cedric. And so Cedric is that's a, a father figure to me. And I'm going to honor that because that shit is more important than some hood politics shit. Fuck that shit. If it come down to Cedric, fuck that shit. And fuck anybody who can't understand that that's more important on an honor scale. Right? And that's how I really feel. Mm -hmm. So when we get into people's feelings, that's where I stand on that. But, you know, I love Sebo. Mm -hmm. And, he, you know, I'm sure he wasn't pleased by some of my positions. I'm aware of that. Yeah. Right? And, and it, it is what it is. But, mm -hmm. it, I mean, you know, I love Sebo. Yeah, yeah. It is what it is. It's going to be what it's going to be. I love Lynch. That's my brother. I hear Lynch and tell him I need you to stay out of that. I don't agree with this. And I don't feel like the what this brother was saying that caused these issues was how people received it. I think that was fed by hate. I don't agree with that. I need you to stop doing this. And Lynch said, I understand. that. I mm -hmm. respect that, big uh, little bro. Little mm -hmm. bro. Mm -hmm. I understand now, and he stepped back mm -hmm. on my request. I don't need you bickering with him over that because that issue comes from something that is a misunderstanding. That's not what he meant. I'm mm -hmm. funking with Sebo. I'm funking with Rated. I'm funking with Bo. Just like I gotta respect what they did in their era, they gonna respect what I did in mine. I can't be offended by that. Right. Right. I heard somebody say. I am motivated by three great motherfuckers where I'm from, and I'm going to be as dope as that, and they're going to respect it just like I respect what they did. Mm -hmm. I think, sure, go get it. I right. feel like Kobe said the same thing about Jordan. Right, right. LeBron's saying the same thing about the two of them. Mm -hmm. The greatness chases greatness. Yeah. And he he identified a bar. He could have said, I'm going to be as dope as Kendrick Lamar existed. Mm -hmm. Jay-Z existed. He could have picked any of them. He said the three of us. So we set the bar. So I couldn't be offended by that. And I felt like everybody that anybody wanted to be offended by that just wanted to be offended. Yeah. And I, and I felt like that was unacceptable. Right, but right. my little homies on the street level, my Mozzie people, my pe people ain't prepared for inter interaction. They're mm -hmm. not prepared for integration. That's real. That's real. You know, it is what it is out there. Mm -hmm. And we far removed from that. I, I pass right. a waterfall when I drive to my home, brother. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. I pass a waterfall on my way home. Mm -hmm. Bunny rabbits and deer. I see longhorn sheep, yeah. bighorn sheep you want to drive home. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. not, I'm yeah. not. Yeah. That shit don't mean That ain't even mean. your world no Outside more. of yeah. lives are being lost yeah. back and forth. And some of that yeah. is too painful for these two the individual Ge geographical locations to be able to do anything together. So even music is out yeah. right now. It just wouldn't be acceptable for people. With somebody, we're going to lose people over even doing that. Mm -hmm. That's going to cause a split. Yeah. And so it's like some stuff is just too soon. But in terms of pride, like I'm from Sacramento, man. I'm not opposed to seeing somebody from my city win. That right. don't harm my spirit. Right. You know what I mean? It's arguable in a barbershop right now that me and him, the two winning the most. Mm-hmm. Paper activity providing opportunities for other people. Mm -hmm. We 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 winning more than anybody, mm -hmm. yep. and it's going to be discussed if you just right. you know, period. Right, there's some honorable mentions after that. Mm -hmm. But the hungriest, the grind, the grinding the hardest, the the building and constructing something that is visible, tangible. We the two doing it. And so, you know, I salute that shit. I know what the fuck that took, man. This shit ain't easy. That's work ethic. Tremendous work ethic. I wish I had 20 niggas with that work ethic in my building. Yeah. I got one right now that got that work ethic. His name is McIntyre. I'm trying to I'm trying to put that work ethic 
Mm-hmm. That same work ethic, man, motivated right. just like that. Right in my building, I need 20 of them. And that's what that's the thing about that you say work ethic, dog. Same thing with my city. You know, I rub a lot of them the wrong way, but they don't understand that it's 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 from a loving place. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, I'm, not gonna, I'm not going to coddle you. You know what I'm saying? Because I want you to win. I ain't going to tell you just what you want to hear. And I know that you just spinning your wheels. <laughs> I've seen you giving people the business. <laughs> yeah, you I'll know. Be like, why are you beat up on this <laughs> I'll be, I'll be like, I'll just see your name and it'll be a comment. I'll be like, oh, that hurt. When he read that. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, dog, I, I, cause I want, I love my city just like you love SAC. You Absolutely. know what I'm saying? And, you know, I've been fortunate enough to make it to the other side as yourself. Yeah. You know, I've been successful. You know what I'm saying? I am successful. I built successful businesses. I've had success in music. And one of my best friends is one of the biggest music moguls to ever do it, just yeah. like Cedric is for you. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I have the information. So I'm trying to share the information with you, you know, but they take it so personal, you yeah. know, and you, you just got to tell them, motherfucker, look, dog, it's not right. You're not doing that right. Yeah. Like a lot of your approach is antiquated. I don't mean to hurt your feelings. It's just that. This is what it is now. I'm giving you, but it's so funny because like they say in the Bible, a prophet is not respected in his home. He is not. You know what I'm saying? So because it's coming from me, the lesson always been there, but because it's coming from me, you didn't get it. Right. You know, because you looking at P, you know, but you don't understand. I talk to P every day. The information that I'm getting from you is from experience and maybe shit I'm regurgitating from him. Right. That I'm sharing with y'all for free. Right. Because I, we ain't, we ain't won yet. As a, as a Sacramento had a movement. See, Kansas City, we have moments. So we haven't had a movement yet, you know, and a lot of it comes from. And I don't want to say there are guys down there that do have work ethic. You know what I mean? Hell yeah. But but I don't know. It just doesn't quite translate. And I try to help them and be big homie. But a lot of them, you know, and they're going to be mad when they see this because they always think I'm trying to beat up on them. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? But I try to. OK, you made a post. I seen it. The artist that you signed. Right. Mm-hmm. And what did you say? You said the realest shit. I share oh, it. Oh, I remember you that. You said, listen, you artists that think that you're going to get the deal that homie got and your numbers ain't there. You know what I'm saying? You just like, lost all your credibility. You just lost all your credibility. Yeah. So what I try to tell artists in your business, man, you run a whole, you know, conglomerate right now. So you understand that we in a social media age. How many people are subscribing to what you're doing? How many followers you got? How many views are you getting? How many people are tapping in with what who you saying you are? Yeah. Right? You got to do your work even before you get to me. Word. You got to do your part. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So a lot of times I still got motherfuckers trying to send me CDs and still trying to say, man, I got this song. And I tell them all the time, like, dog, I don't, man. Ain't nobody listening. Ain't nobody. That. You got to. <laughs> I'm like, you got an EPK. <laughs> yeah. Did you got it? Yo, no, he's Drake. Like, hold on, hold on. Great. I mean, <laughs> dog, I'm Hollywood when I say that. He say, oh, they I'm say Hollywood. Hollywood for it. What, what so is it's that? not, it's not, you just gave them some information. They no. need to go get an EPK. No. What does C-Dub say? What does C-Dub oh, say? Shout out to C-Dub, the young blood artist I'm working with. I text C-Dub and I hear blood cat from Kansas City and That's I say, uh, shout out to C-Dub. I say, uh, yeah, bro. I said, bro, uh, you got an EPK? Send me an EPK. He say, hey, blood, let me Google that real quick so I can answer you correctly. I respect that. I respect that. And I said, oh, you didn't know what that was? He said, hell no, nah, blood, what is that? Yeah. And I'm like, dog, you know, so 
Dog, I just said that recently, Rated, and man. they said I was Hollywood. And I said, I said, man, listen, your packaging, your approach, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. see, you have to get paint the picture of who you are, what you're doing, who, you know, send me the, the EPK. I need to see pictures. I need to bio. see media, media reach, Links. bio, what you've done so I can see the complete package. You yeah. know, you sending me a song. And then even when I go to the song, you got like 60 views. I'm like, dude, do your work. They're, Do they're your not work. even ready to be talking to you. That's what One I'm of saying. the most offensive things is when people think because a person, a minority, is in a position that, mm -hmm. that they per, they perceive to be powerful, mm -hmm. that that means they don't have to work no more. Right, right. Like, oh, man, court got it. You know, I could go over here man. and I could just give him this CD. Yeah. You're going to be all right because, you know, yeah. it's court. Right, right. And it's like, nah, yeah. nah, I'm nah. in this position. And if you come the right way, you have an opportunity. You have an opportunity. Specifically I, because I'm in this position I, and absolutely. you did it the right way. And I've told them. You're going to get to I, cut corners. I've told them many times, I do have the power to put to move some shit. Yeah. If you have a buzz and you have something, absolutely. You think I can't go to bro and be like, bro, because I know what his, you know, what his qualifies. You got P and me. Exactly. You got so many people to call. That, that's what I'm saying. And then so, my roller desk get open and we got Brian Shaft and we got Dave Warner. We got Cedric exactly. Singleton. Exactly. We, so we got Wendy Day. Exactly. We got so many different options to go to if we felt like the person we were doing like, it on behalf of had mm -hmm. that coming. And then this is the other part. Uh, discipline. You know what I'm saying? Because see, a lot of people, they say they want this until the work starts. It's like right. people that want to lose weight. You know what I'm saying? They they want they all motivated, right? I want to lose weight. I want to look this way. I want to look this way. Then when you tell them, okay, cool, let's lose weight. So you need to go over there. You need to do 45 minutes on this. Don't eat this. Don't eat this. Eat this bland ass oh, shit four times a day. Then it's like, oh. Oh, I just wanted to take a pill or lose. You know, you yeah. thought you wanted. They just want the results, but yeah. they don't want to do the work. So then I notice a lot of artists when I tell them, okay, cool. I try to help them. Like, man, content. You need to get active on social media. Yep. You need to do this. Visuals, quality visuals, video. Get your cameraman. Hell, I haven't even paid for the shit. Oh, shit, cuz. I, I ain't no internet nigga. You know yeah, what I'm saying? I'm a real nigga. <laughs> I'm a rap nigga. I'm a, I said, well, shit, you got to make your mind up. What, you want to be a successful entertainer, a rapper, or you want to be a street Both feet. Yeah. Both feet got to be in the game. Yeah. I, I mean, I've told him a bunch of times, too, coming from where you know I come from. Yeah. I was never involved in the gang shit, just around it. And it was happening all the time. And at some point in Sacramento, not being from that myself, I was like, bro, everybody's getting shot. Everybody's dying. Yeah. We say we're doing music, but ain't nobody around. We got money. Yeah. And I left. I left Sacramento. I'm born and raised. I'm born in Kaiser North. Yeah. Right to North Sac. Yeah. My whole life. 15-year-old mother. And at some point, I was like, what do you want to be? Like, I think I had an ex girl. You met her, Leslie. Mm -hmm. Leslie was one of those, like, your, your boy just got shot on Largemont and Floral. What do you want to be? And I said, not this. I'm out. Like, yeah, man. Like yeah. I'm out. Yeah, fuck all that, man. Yeah. And you Work know what? Go. I moved here. Like, I moved here. Run. I moved here. Didn't know anyone. Met this dude the year I moved here. Twenty plus years ago. Yeah. And then and then, you know. Man, work ethic, brother. I want to say this, man. It's a it's a privilege to be here with y'all. You know, we've been through a lot to come to these points, all of us individually. Yeah. And you know, I'm big on the the threads and mm -hmm. how those threads lead to one moment. And mm -hmm. so for us to be in this moment and everything in our lives to have led us to this particular yeah. moment, I'm grateful for, man. Yeah, I appreciate y'all. Yeah. You, you, 
Man, I'm really proud of you. Thank you, brother. Likewise. I, I am aware of that. This is about you right now, though. Come on, man. It's about you. It's about you right now, man. Oh, this is my, this my 30 seconds. <laughs> it's about you. Man, you've done so much, man. If we watching mm-hmm. and we hold you up, you know, you somebody that when I say, hey, you know, I want to show you somebody, I, I show them you. I'll say, look at this, brother. Wow. Check him out. Check wow. this one out. You you in that list of people that wow. I use to motivate when I'm showing these youngsters, this, wow. is, this is what it need to look yeah. like. This is how we can speak. This yeah. is how, and it's not just me. Mm-hmm. Now, they can't, I'm not the one that wants to be the king. I want to be a king. I don't right. require right. the crown. I just want mine. Right. You can have yours. Right. It don't fit me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so I'm always trying to show them examples. It ain't just, it's not just me. Mm-hmm. It's other people you can look at. And it's not the ones that are unattainable, of course. Or it's Jay-Z, right? We right, mentioned right, Jay-Z. Right. That ain't his fault. Yeah. You know, well, it is his fault. He grinded that hard, and now he is where he is. But mm-hmm. to me, that's unrealistic for me to show this child now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's decent. Yeah. But you, they could perceive that's an attainable, that's attainable. Yeah. Me, yeah. that's attainable. This yeah. is how we did it. Yeah. So I'm trying to show them something that could be realistically accomplished yeah. in their mind to like, allow them to go far enough to say, maybe I can go get Maybe yeah. I can do the Jay-Z yeah. thing. Maybe I can yeah. do the Dr. Dre thing. Yeah. Maybe I can. And then we got to get far enough. Yeah. You know, Damn. the kid the kid in the gym that, at the little school can't be like, oh, yeah. LeBron. But you get to get to college, though. Yeah. You be like, I'm going to go do that shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? You got to take these steps. So you're a prime example. I hold you up in that way. Man, I and uh, that, I significantly and, and incredibly respect you. And right now I'm demanding a continuation of your excellence because I've been bragging about it. I appreciate it, brother. <laughs> See, why? he just do that yeah. i normally give people that so let me do my thing bro i appreciate you being here bro and on this podcast i created as a platform to give people they flowers while they're here yeah. i want to normalize that you yes, know what i'm saying you the first one to do that for me but i appreciate that i'm gracious for that yeah um but i appreciate you bro i mean you inspired me from a youngin you know what i'm saying i felt like you know, we grew up together. We even did. Though, you know what I mean? Nah, we did. Yeah, you know what I mean? I feel that way. Yeah. About other people. Yeah, so straight up, straight yeah. up. And, uh, man, just what you've overcome and what you represent you know what i mean and the message that you push and how you help those around you and inspire the world because you do you know you have a compelling story amazing story so i want to give you your flowers you know and let sure. you know i appreciate you and i Thank and you. i receive you as a brother you know that yeah. you know what i'm saying you're yeah, my yeah. brother from another you know yes, what i mean and you keep being great bro you know what i'm saying and you know i'm always here one phone yeah. call away that's what whatever I'm that doing. is you know how that go yeah. you know what i mean so yeah, it's nothing but love. I'm aware of that, and I, yeah. I accept it. Yeah. And I accept that challenge for continued greatness, too, because accountability to you, is very important. Yes, sir. Same I don't want to let you down. Nah, I ain't going to let you down. There we go. We got a deal. It's all we good, locked. brother. Let's get it. Yeah, that's the homie. Uh-huh. All right, one love. Salute. Yeah, bye about what makes your heart beat a little faster oh you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you yeah or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about 
Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before.